everyone, welcome to episode 598 of Conversation Street, the Coronation Street podcast with me, Gemma. And me, Stephen Reed. No! <laughs> I'm back, baby! No! Hello. But we do have a bonus episode about Stephen Reed in yes. our character profile section. If there's anything you wanted to know about a character who's been in 298 episodes of Coronation Street, just spread out over, how long was it? Two and a half hours <laughs> chat then find our bonus podcast this week because we're going to very thorough detail about absolutely everything that he's ever done it's quite a good fun one to record wasn't it i thought it was quite fun yeah and also you know what he hasn't been in as many episodes of coronation street as we've been in conversation street that's true that's true well nobody done a character profile of us yet yeah, hey, why? Hey. Yeah, why? He needs to do it of us now to return the favour. We're talking about episodes broadcast in the UK between the 16th and the 18th of October. Episodes 11,085 to 11,090. Yes, we are. I was going to say, if this could have been Stephen Reed presenting the podcast today, because we did get some fairly nifty Stephen Reed masks appear on our doormat we this week, didn't we? So thank you very much, Rory, from the thank Coronation you, Street Tour. He sent us some, because last week, um, as you know, we were very jealous that we didn't get to go. There was um, a cool Coronation Street fan event at the Coronation Street experience. Um, later on in this episode, we'll be joined by one of the one of our listeners who went along, and she tells yeah. us all about it. So if you didn't get to go, you get to find out about what you missed. And don't worry, we're just as jealous as you. Um, so look out for that later. But yeah, I, do we, we got these Stephen Reed masks that everybody who went to the event was presented with, and they're pretty cool. <sighs> I don't know what to do with them now. Like, what do you do with a Stephen Reed mask apart from post for a photo for Instagram? Put it in a little book like butterfly wings <laughs> yeah we have we have got like up up in the attic we've got a, a little um set of, set of drawers haven't we of of Corrie's stuff um yeah so i think that stephen's uh may end up in, in there maybe we'll get him out for halloween well, again i don't know my dream is to one day when we retire open a coronation street museum but really i would like coronation street to do it yeah, do it for us. For us, because I, mean, I think visit and give it there's so much great stuff that could be preserved for future generations. <laughs> but, Michael, would you like to do a quiz? Oh, I, I, I would. I, did, I, I know you want to get on with this. We're, we're only we ended up recording this about half an hour earlier than we normally would on a Friday night. But I did want to say thank you to everybody who liked, shared and commented on our Muppet Coronation Street pictures that we put on our yes, social media. especially the week. person who posted it to Reddit. Oh, yes, thank you, whoever that was that put it on Reddit. That was nice. That got a bit more exposure so we uh, you know I've been going on about my AI if you know me um, which you do in a way um, you know I'm quite into all this AI stuff this year I'll be eating my words when they when they uh, when the robots take over and um, and kill me but for now it makes lots of cool funny pictures so last week I was making some comic book inspired pictures of uh, the super soap week and this week I decided to get it to recreate some scenes as if the characters were Muppets I may I amuse myself, and I'm glad that a few others of you enjoyed it as well. I don't know whether I'm going to make this a regular thing, like different different art styles every week. Maybe I will until I get bored. Just pausing here in case Gemma has anything to add. Clearly not, but she has um, given me a few ideas of different art styles I've to try. Gemma's got a quiz. Sorry, darling, Do you, you get on with your, your quiz. Pen? No? I guess I've got my. Okay. I don't know where the Coronation Street pen is. I've had to go for a green biro. I thought I'd. Didn't have to hold this for another week. Now it's half term, but there we go. Go on then. What's what's your quiz? Sixteenth to the twentieth of October and years ending in three and eight. And I source this from CoronationStreet.fandom.com, aka Coropedia. Thank you, everybody. Sixteenth of October, two thousand and thirteen. How is Lily's christening ruined? Um, I believe at Lily's christening. 
Is she really that old? Wow. Um, I think that's where it came out about... Um, it was something related to the, the van crash, wasn't it? Was it Nick and his, and his brain injury and, and maybe... Or did it... No. Yes. Maybe David revealed that um, he caused the van crash on purpose. This is when Kylie confronts David for causing the crash. Oh, close. Do I have I half, think you get a point. A, yeah, I said van crash. 17th of October, generous, 2008. Who was killed by whom? And who ordered it? Oh, I saw about this on Twitter the other day. This was, um, this was Liam Connor being mown down by, I'm going to say, unnamed driver. But Tony Gordon was the one that ordered it. He was killed by Jimmy Duckerson. Oh, was it? G- oh, okay, fine. So you get two out of three. Two out of three with that one. Um, here's my quiz question back to you. Um, no. What was the song that was playing over the radio when it happened? Um, Toxic it was a, it by was a, Britney Spears. It was a 60s classic. It was um, Downtown. You Don't Know Me by... No, it was I Downtown. I sang that one. I don't know why that stuck in my head. Next. 18th of October, 1998. Why is Haley forced to reveal her trans status to the factory workers? Oh, oh gosh, that's like a really famous scene, but I can't remember what happens. Um, I think that, I think that Mike was just um, goading her about it and and making fun of it and saying it without saying it, and Haley's kind of she took power. Takes, yeah, exactly. She took says control. right, what, what Mr. Baldwin's saying here, her. girls, yeah. is yeah. Mike Bolden was bullying her. Good job, Hayley. 19th of October, 1983. First appearance of which character? And who is responsible for their appearance? Um, I've, I've seen too much on Twitter this week. It was Kevin I know, I think Kevin you Webster, might have done, yes. Um, was, the, was made his first appearance. How long ago? 40 years ago. 40 on. years of Kevin Webster. Um, who was, I, ooh, I can't remember what happens. Um, who was responsible for their appearance? Uh, Brian Tilsley. So I'm going to stick with the garage theme. It was Alf Roberts. Uh. He picked him up as a hitchhiker, I think. Okay. Oh, I've not been writing the ones I've got wrong. So far I've got five. <laughs> five. I don't, I'm not, I don't <laughs> Never mind. Oh, sorry. 20th of October, 2003. Final question. Yeah. Les chats up Lulu. But what is her real name? Oh, that's... First um, appearance of... Yeah, Cilla Battersby-Brown. Correct. Well, Battersby. No, Cilla Brown, sorry, as she was then. Well, I got six right. I can't remember how many it was out of. Six but out of a hundred. That's not... A, no, that's not... <laughs> not a bad score. That's well done, Michael. Good quiz this week. Did you but yeah, I was uh, get a some bit good answers at home? How did you do? Birthdays, 23rd of October. Peter Armitage, who played Bill Webster, and Anne Hull- Annie Hulley, who played Gwen Davies. 25th of October, Brian Mills, who is the programme's longest-serving and most prolific director. Interesting. And John Mitchie, played Carl Monroe. Mm-hmm. We all love. 27th of October, Serenity, <laughs> really? Blythe. Happy it? birthday, everybody. That's a bit of a. Well. No offence to anyone that was in that list, but that was a bit of a pants birthday week, really. Uh, spooky season, everybody. Do you like Halloween? Yes. You oh, do. yes. We've got a new Halloween um, podcast cover for the. Uh, yep. I can't believe I didn't even mention this, and I was talking about my AI. Me so, every week for the past 10 years or so, sorry, not every week, every Halloween for the past 10 years or so, we've had a special horror themed conversation street cover and uh, we change it on our social media and, and all that and this year i have ai generated a skeleton duck 
because I wouldn't be able to make that myself. And I think it looks quite good. I had actually drawn my old... Do you remember I made a Frankenstein one um, a couple of yeah. weeks ago? And then all this AI art stuff kicked off and I shunned it. So maybe I'll use that again one year. But um, yeah, I'm quite pleased with how it's turned out. And I haven't got any ideas for what my Christmas one's going to be yet. But I'm fairly certain that I'm going to have a little bit of help from Mr Bing. This is the best time of year. Halloween, Christmas, I love... I love from October through to December. It's my f absolute favourite. I love it. So exciting. Spooky, well, Christmas, new beginnings. What's going to happen? Don't know. Get to January. Hate life. Hate life. Wish I was how dead. How is autumn the season of new beginnings for you? Have you because heard of you get, spring? Excuse me. You get to the 31st of December and you start to think about what am I going to do in the next year. <laughs> when the 31st of December. What are you talking about? I said this time of year. Okay, okay. From, you... from October through to December, it is the best time of year. Gemma does really, really And you like criticise me for year. saying that, but you're not even... No, I just disagree. Sense. I just disagree. 31st of October is when everybody comes up with their New Year's resolutions. Okay, okay. What are you even talking about? Well... When it comes to spring, what do you do? March, April, you're like, oh, I know what I'm going to do this year. No. You don't even plant bulbs with me. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, the season wasn't too good for me today because I did get rained on don't quite a lot. I was don't even care. My, the, the school that I teach on is, is set on two sites about five, ten minutes walk apart from each other. And I walked down the other site with, without a coat today because it was lovely and sunny. But then when I had to go back to the other one, um, the heavens had opened. Good. So I ended up walking up the road completely torrential downpour. I felt sorry for you earlier, but now I don't, because you criticise me. <laughs> That's what I get also, for criticising the season. It just rains on me. I took a photo of a ghost. Yeah. It wasn't Do you want really. to see it? Let me know. Gemma does have a ghost It <laughs> is a ghost photo. It looks like I'm not even going to tell you spooky. I tell you about Stephen Reed and a hockey mask that we were talking about on the bonus podcast. I think week. it looks That's like spooky um, Thomas the Tank. So it's been an all fun kind of week for us, but how has it been? For the residents of Weatherfield. Well, Segway time, out. everybody. Let's go on. Let's go Gemma's fed up with the introduction no, yeah, preamble. Because you me. I wasn't criticising you. You're not autumn. It's time for... I am. <laughs> if I was a season, I would be autumn. What would you be? Winter. Brilliant. Great. Let's do street talk. Winter's great, really. Okay, so it is Street Talk time for this week's podcast. Not very much in terms of storylines this week. I think some of them are kind of bundled together. So the first first story might be um, have a few different threads that will eventually separate out in coming weeks. But um, we're going to start off with the aftermath of last week's Super Soap Week. Did it live up to the excitement of um, Stephen Reed getting bumped off? We will see. Um, this storyline this week um, is a tribute to Stephen. The storyline title for it, I'm calling it Reed Hit. And weep. Good. Gemma's still in a in a narc with me because you I just slagged off autumn. You say autumn's not the autumn. best time of the year. What a stupid. Okay, comment. it is. It is. If I say it is, will you be in a good mood with me now? No. Oh please. Next. Read, read, Next. hit, and weep, Next. or whoop if you are happy with him being dead. Ryan and cheating. It's going to be the Ryan. And, it sounds like lying and cheating. Okay. It's, that's that's not too bad. Ryan and Daisy snogging it out and more this week. I'm not happy with them this week at all. Coal hard cash. It's going to be my Bailey storyline title. I got an almost little upturn of Gemma's mouth there. I think there was a smile there. Ed's going to be ripping off the corpse of Norris Cole, Gemma, in his quest to whatever it was he was trying to afford. 
I can't even remember. Well, Malcolm Hebden appeared in the Barbara Knox documentary that was on the 13th of October. We didn't get to watch it last week because we were too busy recording for you guys, but we did watch it in the meantime. We'll talk about that later. It was really good fun. It was good, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and then Lee lurches off is my final storyline of the week. Why do you go? Yeah, I mean, how many episodes did Lee... stick it out. What, six episodes? Five, six episodes? We were saying, we want Lee to stay in it forever, but oh well. I would love to see... Lee with um, Todd and uh, George George together. I think it'd be funny. Yeah, a little spin-off. But I'm you sure just they could have a lot of fun with quit, it. Quit he soon. might be back, you never know. Right, so Gemma, um, as our resident Stephen Reed fangirl, um, would you like to take the reins and say, what happened next? Did Tim survive? No. Right. <laughs> You're going to give you. us the alternate history of okay, what happened. Okay, so... Um, First of all, shout out to Todd Boyce, who um, we profiled along with his character, Stephen Reed, in our bonus episode this week. We talked all about Stephen's long history in Coronation Street that culminated in my favourite hit of the entire history of Coronation Street, where he killed Tim. That's right, everybody. Tim is dead. <laughs> we will not be talking about his character from now on because he is persona non grata. He our, is our poor Canadians that listen He's to this before they watch the episode. Under the ground. Poor Sally. What would she do? Widow. I don't know. And don't also, care. Stephen's not really dead, it turns out. Well, if you want to go by what actually happened, he's not dead, but... My heart. Fun to imagine, eh? He's been dead for years. I could, could I also say a big thank you to Todd Boyce for listening to our character profile? I know. He, said, he, he tweeted us today, didn't he? Saying yeah. he enjoyed listening I to do. us. So we enjoyed talking It just about cements him. my uh, opinion that Todd Boyce is by far Top the best bloke. person who's appeared in Coronation Street for a long time. Right, go on then, Gemma. As, what, ha- what has as happened? Stephen Reed, the best character. He's gone, Gemma. you got to let him go. I cannot. <laughs> okay, right. Seriously. Everybody listen. On Monday, Sarah and Michael are looking at this sad spot that Stephen died right out front of uh, the uh, florist's shop. No flowers. Weird, because you'd think, even though Tracy is a Barlow, that she'd be hawking flowers for... for. Uh... I don't think there's too many people that are mourning his loss. I think the closest that we got was Audrey, Sarah and Michael. I'm not even I... sure how much Gail really cares that her brother's I don't think Gail killed. cares at all. She's like, I'm so the just... only child. Just... I am the only child. Oh yeah, double Christmas presents for Gail this year. I just think I want to hark back to the the early years of Coronation Street where if a baby was announced they would you know scores of people would send in hand knitted baby booties <laughs> to to um granada, granada studios why did we not get <laughs> like an entire bed of flowers outside of itv i don't know because you haven't been paid yet this month. No, I know, of course. Listen, <laughs> well, yeah, listen, Todd. I've got to wait to the first. I, I don't know. I don't know when we're going to be going up to the Coronation Street tour next, but I'm sure you'll be able to pay tribute to him when, when you go at Rosalind Street. Don't worry. <sighs> oh, Stephen. Come on, come on. Sorry. Get over um, it. Who's going to miss him? They say. She, uh, Sarah goes off, and Craig comes along. He wants to speak to Michael because Tim is still missing. At home, Sally is desperately missing Tim. And Elaine tries to reassure her, but Sally says he's been away for two nights. Lots of, there was a lot of confusion over the time scale of this, I noticed on social media this week. Lots of people saying, how did Tim survive in the in the boot for so long? He's been in it for a whole week at this point. Surely he would have run out of oxygen or starved. No, or you don't run just... out of oxygen in the That's in what a I would have thought as well. But, um, uh, but, was no, it he three, was... three hours there? 
is it that right? Three hours oxygen, air, three days water, three weeks food, and then you're dead. I think it's a rule of three. I don't know whether you can survive without oxygen for three hours. Well, if you take a big breath, I mean, <laughs> is it three minutes then? Probably. Three minutes, I don't know. It's There's definitely some kind of rule whereby in the power of three, you are dead. But anyway, you're not supposed to really think too hard about the time ever when you're watching Coronation Street because, well, I've talked about my feelings about that quite a lot in the last couple of years. Three minutes without breathing, three hours without shelter, three days without water and three weeks without food. There we go. I just looked it up because, you guys, I, I care about you. Okay, don't spend three minutes with that. Uh, How's Tim doing, Gemma? He's fine. He's fine. Hooray. Good old Tim. He's got his hands free, hasn't he? He's got, got the tie from around his hands. So, and... can we go back to last week when <laughs> this bloke with his dog was walking in the Greg Woods and he came across the uh, taxi that had Tim's alive sadly body in the boot and he just didn't do anything about it what was this scene for this man is he a conversation street listener if so i salute you sir you knew that tim was in there and you didn't tell anybody good for you do you not think this is weird why do they even have that scene (laughs) i don't know yeah i know this man was just like walking the dog walking the dog here's a taxi that's just totally normal keep going don't want to ask any questions because yeah, he's Why? like the, the anti-Good Samaritan in that scene, wasn't he? I would say he's a he's a good Gemaritan <laughs> because he let Tim just rot there yeah, for a little bit Yeah, any time you let something happen that is negative on Coronation Street for the drums, you're a good Gemaritan. <laughs> anyway, Tim's freed his hands and he's like, help, help, I say. Audrey's in the cafe with Sarah later saying that after the accident... Um, Sarah should be resting because, you know, she was held hostage, etc. And Sarah tries to tell her that it wasn't an accident. But then Peter comes in and asks Audrey how she is doing. And this is when Audrey starts in. Oh, you killed my son. Uh, you threatened him. Um, she Because she walked in on them, didn't she? While mm. they were having this fight at Elaine's flat. Yeah. Well, this is, this is, I think, why Peter was so determined to run into Stephen last week, because he was really knocked off that he had his chance there. He had Stephen you know, on his back. Um, well, little did you know he could have been bludgeoned with the, with, the, with the trophy if he'd have tried to get any closer, but he could have offed him there or something, but he didn't. So when he saw him in the middle of Rosamond Street, he saw Red, and then, well, he went, which is not what you're supposed to do when you see Red. Green is for go, Peter. Yeah, I thought you might have known that as a taxi driver. Exactly. (laughs) So Audrey says you did it on purpose. And I'm really interested. Is this going to end up as as a trial? I don't know, but Audrey would definitely. I think there's a lot to talk about whose side who was on later. So we'll come back to that. Ed's trying to tell Michael it's not his fault. Stephen took the money from the underworld because we all remember that. Um, he uh, pretended he was on the phone. Stephen pretended he was on the phone to Carla and s- tricked Michael into giving him the code for the bank transfer. We still don't really know at this point what's happening with this money because it's a bit in limbo. I think Carla said something on one of the days, maybe Tuesday's episode, like the police are trying to get it back or they're trying to figure out how, where it is or something at the moment. Um, but... The, the the fact that Michael did give it willingly to Stephen is surely going to come up somewhere because I'm sure he didn't it will technically be. steal it, but then Put it. you could say that Peter didn't technically kill Stephen. Well, that's what some people are saying anyway. Carla, put it in nicer. <laughs> anyway, um, 
so Michael says he's going to plead for his job. So Jenny's still staying with Rita and Rita tells her, you're going to have to let this sink in. Uh, you got to get on with the rest of your life. And Peter comes over and Rita and Daisy are heaping praise on him for killing Stephen. But Jenny doesn't doesn't join in. She's kind of a bit subdued. And I'm, I'm thinking here, oh, last week I said, I'm pretty sure Stephen said something to her. Mm. And this is when I'm thinking, it's got to be more to this. I'm sure he really did say something. So she kind of looks down in the dumps. I mean, and we don't pick this up until it, a bit it, later. It's on. understandable. Jenny had fallen for this guy, hadn't he? And despite what he had been, it is probably quite difficult to switch your feelings off for someone completely. Um, the guy that she had planned to spend a brand new life with, move to Thailand with, has been mown down in cold blood here. So even though she realises that he is, you know, he's not exactly whiter than white, I, I, I do get that she's not, well, she knows she's not what, singing from the rooftops and doing cartwheels. She knows something happened that nobody else knows. Mm. Gail goes to see Sally to ask for news on Tim and I enjoyed this scene because we know that Gail and Sally are supposed to be busy busy mates. Gail is Stephen's half-sister. Sally is missing Tim, who has been kidnapped by Stephen. So there's definitely tension going on mm. here. Sally's not in the mood to talk to her because she's like, your, your, your brother killed my husband. I can't believe you didn't realise again that you had a serial killer in the family. It's about, you know, once or twice a year, Coronation Street likes to remind us that Gail and Sally are friends. And probably about half of those times, the only reason that they remind us that they're friends is so they can have them fall out for a bit. Yeah. So Gail says, look, I feel stupid, but more than, more than anything, I care about you. You can tar me with his brush if you like, but I'm not him. And so they kind of make friends and have a little discussion. But meanwhile, Tim is in the boot of his own taxi and he's managed to find the emergency release mechanism. He keeps himself out of the boot. He gets up, he walks around, he gets in the driver's seat, grabs a bottle of water. He has a little drink, but there's not enough water in there. He's very sad. I wish he died, but he didn't. Meanwhile, Carla is... <laughs> that Wouldn't that have been a twist if he'd like somehow winded up killing himself in the middle well, of his rescue attempt. Well, yeah, if he'd have just... If we'd Because we... That was the thing. We had, throughout the whole of last week's episodes, we were, we knew that Tim was going to be fine. We didn't know. We we, we were not... We, we had no... Let's just say... Thoughts about okay. the fact that he would die. And, and, but, Most so, people in this country know if you're in the woods, you're not... you got to... I don't want to be to besmirch victims of horrible, sad events that have happened, but... If you're in the woods and you die, something really bad has happened. It doesn't <laughs> normally happen that you just die in the woods. If you walk, you're probably about two miles away you from find the road. You find civilization pretty quickly. And also there's a man walking his dog last week. What, you can't be that far in, in the mean, sticks. The thing is with Tim last week, he was, he was pretty badly beaten up, wasn't he? He was strangled. He was suffocated. He was whacked around the head with a pole. So... The fact that he survived this is already a bit of a stretch of the imagination. So it could have been that he just couldn't exert himself and passed out, you know, mere mere metres away from Coronation Street. But they decided not to go down I would definitely route. say, like, if, you, if, you're, if you've been beaten half to death and you escape from a, from a trunk of a car, I can understand if you die 
That's tragic. Well, but really, I'm just I've just looked this up. The most remote place in the entire country of England is 2.4 miles from a road. If you die and you're like, if you're like like Tim was, just walking about going, oh, I've got a headache, and you die 2.5 miles away from a road, I'm going to say it's kind of Darwin's <laughs> rule. No offence. Yeah, no, he's, he's fine. They, they, they had put a bit of drama in it, didn't they? But as soon as he started walking about, it's like he's going to be absolutely he's okay. It's, it's just funny that the, the, the main... Um, the, the main um, injury that he sustained or the, the main consequence of him having all these horrific things happen to him last week is that he's getting flashbacks. Yeah, not he that gets I'm, flashbacks. You know, I'm not saying that mental health isn't important or anything and poor old Tim's definitely suffering. It's very important. But he's had a very lucky escape considering all the physical abuse that Stephen put him through last week. It's very important but not necessarily I want to see it from Tim on Coronation Street. No. Yeah, so I just, I, I mean... You know, I know that people die of exposure, etc., etc. Especially if you're up, up a mountain or you're in some kind of horrible situation. But in England, I just wanted to make it clear to people that aren't necessarily from the UK, we don't really live in a country no. where you can't just walk. That's if why there aren't any British horror movies straight along the road. You, you might just get. To safety, it's whenever probably hear, it's probably like a McDonald's or a Greg's. Whenever I hear some, like the, the phrase being dying of exposure, I always kind of think that you've been flashed to death. It's like oh, <laughs> in, a, in a dodgy trench coat. Died of exposure. <laughs> Poor Brittany, I knew that would happen eventually. Anyway, come on. Right, so Carla can't believe that that Peter wants to go to work on uh, Monday because he's a taxi driver. He ran a man over. Does it feel like uh, in good taste? Not sure, but but Peter says I didn't mean to kill Stephen, and Carla kind of gives a look like as if to say, well, "I would have done it." Well, she no, doesn't she, necessarily believe it. She was there, wasn't she? She saw that Stephen had dropped the bottle before Stephen put his foot down, so yes. she knows. She yes. just doesn't maybe want to admit it to herself and him at the this moment. This is a very intriguing. Uh, angle for this story to go in mm. so Sally Gell and Elaine are drinking tea in Sally's lounge and Elaine can't believe she's engaged to a, to a murderer and Gail's like listen <laughs> we've right. all been there love <laughs> only once first time <laughs> Elaine says Tim is only in trouble because of her uh, obviously feel sad because of that I mean Gail can't really relate because Stephen uh, sorry uh, David's not got in trouble with the law because she was shagging a serial killer. Very true. I don't know. Or could you say that was everything that happened post <laughs> Richard Hillman? <laughs> anyway. Did, did Richard Hillman even get a mention this week? It feels no. like... Is it the elephant in the room or something? Is everyone just too polite to really rub that in Gail's face? Surely there's enough kind of gossip. Like... Sean coming round then going, oh, done it again then, ASAP. Not that um, Sean knew Richard or anything, but <laughs> is it just like kicking a, kicking someone when she's down <laughs> to say, yeah, once, if you married to a serial killer once, um, Gail, fair enough, it, anyone could make that mistake, but to have another one in your family and you're still not noticed, got to be a bit dense to that. Tim finally manages to get the radio working in the taxi, contacts Peter, who happened to be at work, as we said earlier, and they need to call the police about Stephen because he's murdered someone, says Tim. He doesn't realise that everything's gone down last week and that, sadly, Stephen is already dead. Yeah, it takes a while for Tim to find out that Stephen's kicked the bucket, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, quite a few days. So Peter asks Tim where he, where he is, but he doesn't know. And so Peter drives off to try to find 
uh, Sally so you can talk to him. Meanwhile, Peter, yeah, Peter gets to the door at number eight and tells Sally, look, I've got Tim on the radio here. Come and speak to him. So they all rush out to the road where they can talk on, on, on the radio on, in a taxi and uh, Tim and Sally say, I love you. Uh, but Tim says, I don't really know where I am. I'm in some woods. And then he drifts in and out of consciousness and Sally's left going, Tim, Tim. And she wants to go to the police station so she can do an appeal so everybody can find where Tim is. Quite funny, on um, on the ITV3's classic Coronation Street at the moment, Deb's thinking of him, and, and I'm a few days behind, so I don't know, I can't remember how far it's gone, but um, Deb's thinking we're investing in GPS for all the taxis and streetcars, and 20 years later, they've clearly still not got them there, otherwise they'd have been able to locate Tim straight away. Deb's like, see? It's just like, you know, there's so many stories that you can't do on soaps these days because of mobile phones or they have to have some convenient excuse for why somebody didn't have their mobile with them. Like, in in reality, it'd be like, let's just have a... Eileen, where's Tim at the moment? Oh, over there. Right, let's go He's in the woods. He's been there for five days. How strange. Just hanging out with Rick Neely in the woods. Maybe he's camping. Anyway, Tim starts walking away from the car to find help. So when Sally gets to the police station, uh, D.S. Swain says, I'm glad that Tim's okay, but I, you know, I can't spare resources to do an appeal. And I also don't want a gang of amateur sleuths tramping around. We've we've already got our own amateur sleuths. Here's Craig now. She looks at Craig. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Sally says, she tells Sally, you've got to trust us. We're going to find him, don't worry. Kim, Tim's climbing a slope and he lean. Yeah, I don't care about Tim. He's just making a big fuss about being sad and he finds his way to a road and gets you're, a... You're making a big fuss about being sad that Tim's not dead. It's all, it's all making fusses about being sad, Gemma. Tim could have died, but he didn't. He finds his, his way to a car later, but anyway... Peter and Gail turn up at the station as well and Peter's trying to defend himself about killing Stephen. And Sally says, Stephen dropped the bottle. And Peter says, no, no, I don't think he did. I wouldn't have have run him over if he dropped the bottle. And this is really interesting because does the whole case revolve around whether Peter truly knew that he dropped the bottle? And does that matter? This is such an interesting story, I really, really think, that um, a lot of people have decided one way or the other about whether they think that Peter should have killed Stephen. And I think you need to just drop the idea about whether you think Stephen should have died or not and think about, should Peter have driven the car into him? That's That's the key question. Did Peter know, or is he lying to everybody and himself when he says that he thought he dropped the bottle? Mm. He's saying, oh, he could have, Jenny was still in danger. Yeah, he could have killed anybody. And he said, look, I had a split second to make my decision and the right person lived. So DS Swain is listening to this. This is not a conversation that she's supposed to be privy to. I loved it. She was just there on the stairs, wasn't she? Just just heading up to Chariot Square. And she's, she's like listening going, interesting so so he's saying i picked the right person to live now that is certainly a judgment call based on who do you think was more innocent not was it correct to to run him over because mm. that's those are two different calls like did steven deserve to live is a separate conversation to was Peter Wright to run him over in that precise moment of time and the fact that Stephen said I picked the right person to live 
makes me think he's quite aware of the fact that he knew when he ran Stephen over that he wasn't holding the bottle. I, I love this. I love this. I really think this is fantastic. This is such a cool story for, for Peter Barlow's, um, like, tale as, as he goes on. He's got his his wife, Car- girlfriend, wife? Wife. wife. Yeah, Carla. I mean, don't who, remember him been... face planting on the cobbles on his wedding day. Okay. Because of his, cause of his, his alcoholism. He, you know, Carla's been the victim of Stephen. And then Stephen, we don't have, this is the thing. Just to remind everyone, we don't have the, um, what's it called? When you kill someone for killing people. Murder? No, what, like, uh, capital punishment. Yeah. We don't have that in this oh, country. Right, yeah, yeah. You can't just go, well, just saving the taxpayer money by running them over before <laughs> we hang them to death. You can't just pick to kill somebody because you think they're a right arsehole. Yeah. Because if you could, I've got a list of people. Um, the the bit with Swain listening was brilliant because it's not just that Peter that she heard it was everybody else having this conversation that they didn't realise they were being listening to listened to so what yeah. what they were saying there was their true Completely unfiltered thoughts about what they experienced on the day so um, yeah I love it sorry I love it usually I hate people happening to be listening in well, they but this were in, was juicy they were in the the, the I was going to say petrol station <laughs> police station um uh, as much as I hate to have lost Stephen, R.I.P. Rest in peace. Too soon. Love him. Uh, up to heaven for sure. Um, the fact that this has turned into a, it's not really. A, it's kind of a who done it in the same way as who pushed Ken. There's no like, it is a murder, but it's it's also a question of did he know or not whether this was justified. I don't know, and and this is really gonna uh, separate people. As we... Well, it has, hasn't it? We've seen yeah. online already this week. People have taken sides. We, you, you put a poll up on our Twitter the other the other day, didn't you? And people definitely seem to be coming down more on the side of Team Barlow than Team Platt. Yeah, yeah. Definitely, there are some people that are saying, "Well, T- P- Stephen deserved to die," which isn't the point. No, that's not um, the point. But I, I think that they've done a really, really good job of getting people talking about this. Yeah, definitely. I love the story this. could have ended here. Yeah, really. But could like have you done. said last week, you were talking you were kind of complaining a little bit last week in the podcast, I thought, Me? about it becoming Peter's story now and no. Stephen who cares about him anymore. But yeah, getting people to pick a side is good for any soap story. Yeah, definitely. I I, I right, genuinely, if you're if you've got an opinion on this, I want you to think to yourself, am I biased here about my allegiances to one or the other character? Because I, I just cannot see. I, I know I'm biased to Stephen, but he's dead. But but I, even before they revealed a lot of this, a lot of the details here, I thought to myself, Peter's run him over because he didn't like him. That To me, that's cut and dry exactly what happened he dropped the bottle he was stepping away from jenny is your is your like thought that stephen should die because he already killed three people i've seen lots of people saying he deserved to die i'm just gonna say in defense of the stephen haters who think that peter did the right thing just because Stephen said, I won't hurt you, and he dropped the bottle, does not mean he's not dangerous. He has proven himself to be violent and um, homicidal. And who's to say that if he had got away in the car, 
if Peter had let him leave, if he got in the car and dri- driven off, who's to say he wouldn't have killed again? Mm. But you can't. You can't. That's not how. <laughs> that's not how it works in this country. We don't just kill people because they're horrible. Because there's loads of people that, like I said, there's like a list. I'm sure King Charles has got a list of people <laughs> he wants to <laughs> to bump off in I, case. I, I just think it, <laughs> I, I've just found it really interesting to watch seeing. Stephen kind of become the victim throughout all this now and then and Swain saying you yeah. killed you killed Stephen Reed even though she knows I mean that's like we don't know what Swain thinks about it is she kind of glad that he I'm did kind it of personally glad that we don't know as because, a police officer yeah, her job is to uphold the law mm-hmm. and you know catch catch the criminals and catch the murderers yep. so whatever she thinks of Stephen it's her now her duty yep. to 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 Find to justice. Ascertain whether or not victim. he was murdered justly or not. Yeah. No, just murder. So yeah, so so so, so good. I'm, I'm very much enjoying Love this. Swain. I think she's fantastic. So Swain gets Sally into the interview again and she asks her whether she thinks that Pete had done this on purpose because he has a grudge. And Sally's like, no, I'm not in the mood. I want you to find Tim. And then when they leave, Craig says, oh, Tim's been found. Great. Sally and Tim go to the hospital where... Sally and Elaine. Sally and go to the hospital where Tim is and uh, Faye's like on the phone going, oh, I can't come because I'm on Strictly, but is he all right? And uh, <laughs> Elaine's like, don't bother, darling. You're doing really well. He's fine. And uh, Tim's in triage. For some reason, he's there for ages. It doesn't make sense. I'm an expert now. I've been to A&E twice this year. And I can tell you that if you come in because you've been a, a kidnapped and bonked on the head by a serial killer i don't think you're going to be in triage for more than five minutes because <laughs> that's how long i was in there and i only had a bad appendix mm. peter comes home he's fuming at carla because sally has um has turned against him and he tells her that that sally's saying Stephen dropped the bottle and carla says you know i think he did and look calm down because because steven um peter's saying no why well, i, I I ran him over because everyone was in danger. Like, I saved Jenny's life. He was going to kill her. And Carla's trying to calm him, calm him down because he's got these doubts now in his mind that he'd never had before. Because I can totally also believe that you focus, you have a laser beam focus and you don't necessarily see the things that everyone I, else I see. think it's that. I don't think yeah. that Peter knew for sure that he dropped the bottle. It was it was obvious to anybody watching the scene. We heard it. We saw it smash. We saw it as the viewers. Or we heard it as the viewers. But I think if you are going to make that split second decision, if you're in Peter's position, yeah, maybe you don't notice it. But in my opinion, that doesn't change the fact that you can't say, oh, sorry, I didn't know because yeah, but, ignorance is no defence, Well, that's a good is it, question, Peter? isn't it? Like, how much is he to blame? It's really inter- it's re- it is really interesting. I, I do really like this story. You can, you can swap out Stephen for any number of incredibly sinister and terrible figures who have killed or tortured insert number of people here how much are you going to give them how much do you owe somebody um a second chance Mm. like are you are you going to sort of stop and go let me just assess the scene here but equally peter i don't know he, he had to had to really put his foot on that accelerator to get to that speed 
really it's really fascinating i would love people to write in and, and let us know what what you think really really please do anyway so so dear swain and craig come to the door as as peter and carla are having this discussion and swain tells peter that they suspect he has not been entirely honest and they arrest him for the murder of stephen reed and craig's there going i'm in charge and he <laughs> leads peter away i've seen lots of people online um not very impressed with the fact that craig's going around just cuffing his neighbors and I, I've I don't heard know like, anything I, about police okay. and whether that would happen, but I've been told by enough people that's probably not quite not right. realistic. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, when we when we were kids, I, I think this was still a fleeting memory, um, resigned to the annals of history, but you're supposed to have a Bobby on the beat who was local to the area. Yeah, we, we did it. We had a PC Lord was did our you, word. Really? Yeah, yeah, We yeah. didn't have this. And he came into our school and did talks and... Put would the frighteners he, on us and Okay, stuff. if you murdered your mum, would he have arrested you? Maybe. But he's not. he wasn't like our, our friend in no, the same way he, that Craig is. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, this is one if of these gonna things... If you're going to make a character a police officer in a soap, yeah. clearly they're going to arrest the other main characters they're in the soap. They're not going to go off. This. So that's, that's, you know, that's the bed that you've made for I'm yourself, just gonna, really. I'm just so gonna, it doesn't really bother me at I'm all. I'm going to acknowledge the incredible annoyance of everybody who knows anything about police and in saying that this would never have happened but also acknowledge the incredible deliciousness of having a a copper living on the street who has to get involved in the integrity of of all the police stuff yeah i did my my biggest problem with it is that craig just doesn't strike me as a particularly effective policeman when even when he was a uniform and who as a, do you think as would a detective be... even worse write in everybody who do you think would be the best character to turn into a police officer oh that's a good idea good question have a think about that one. right have a think on wednesday sally is a bit wibbly in the in the wake of everything that's happened it's that elaine's like we've got to be strong for tim and the barlows are gathered in the flat and simon simon's there he's like what's happened nobody's told me i'm gonna pretend i know um he's he's saying oh my dad's a hero he saved everybody why is everybody saying he's a murderer and um all the rest of everyone saying got to sit tight and just see yeah what ken's happens. there and adam i think Maybe so this Danny is the barlows versus the platts which yeah. is uh, it's not really developed into a proper family yeah it's early days i don't know if it will do Anyway, Peter's lawyer's there, and this is the same one that Toya had when she killed Imran. Yeah. Which is was, promising news for Peter. <laughs> <laughs> and she says, look, just keep, just keep saying you, you saved Jenny's life and, and it will all be fine. So Swain's asking Peter whether he remembers what happened and did he suspect that, that Carlos dosed, uh, that Stephen dosed Carla with LSD and what did it make you feel? Were you angry? Did you have a grudge? What were you doing on the tenth of December, October? Did you did you threaten him? And Peter's refusing to answer. And um, Peter's getting hacked off because he says, "Yeah, yeah, I did threaten him, but I didn't run him over because of that threat. It was an accident. I I thought he's going to murder Jenny. I I I didn't want to kill him, but if I if I had my chance again, I think I'd do it. I'd kill him." And meanwhile, we get to see Sally and Elaine talking to Tim. And he, this is when Tim finds out that, that Stephen has died. He didn't realise he was trying to warn everybody about about what, <laughs> what Stephen might do. But uh, I guess he's shocked. I can't really remember. Um, Ken is with Audrey at number eight. And this was quite fun because these two kind of heads of the family are having this conversation about the fact that Peter's killed Stephen. So both their... Uh, 
sons of you know were involved in this fatal incident and ken says i don't want this to come between <laughs> What do you think this is, Tudor England? <laughs> so he it says felt at the beginning of the scene that they were both in agreement that this didn't need to turn into a war, didn't it? And they yeah, felt like they, they thought that they were on. In the general, same they wavelength. both agree that we shouldn't let this come between us. But when the details begin to surface and they don't agree on whether it was justified, uh, it they fall. That's out. when relations break down. Yeah, because Ken's like. Yeah, sorry, sorry, my son killed your son, but your son was evil and you deserved it. And Audrey's like, uh, no, um, get out. So, so Ken kind of leaves with his tail between between his legs. See, I would have thought, and I know that that Ken, as the head of the Barlow family and the, the you know the Barlow mafia, does like to close ranks, but. Um, I think that for him, the truth is also very important. And sometimes Deirdre would say that Ken's stubbornness and. Um, desired for the truth to come out on top of everything else was one of his um kind of like Roy yeah in a way but not 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 quite so much as Roy but I I think that that Ken maybe would want to find out more about what happened but I I don't mind for if if it's if it's causing this drama between the two families Peter gets released from the police station and the lawyer tells Carla that Peter's not been doing himself any favors by what he said about the situation. No. At the hospital. Not that I would do it again. That's probably not the right thing to say. I do it again. no comment, Peter. Come on. Exactly. Have you seen any soap um, interview scenes? At the hospital, (laughs) everyone who was gunning for Stephen to kill Elaine is thrilled for the news that that she imparts upon her son and and daughter-in-law that she's going to stay. I can believe this. Not only, yeah, not only is she not dead, but she's decided to stay. She does, as, as the episode goes on, um, she kind of <coughs> ends up saying, well, you know, maybe I'll just stay until you get better. But when she announced that, I thought, I can't, I cannot believe that they're, they're, they're doing this with her. What is the point? Elaine is not needed in this programme. I'm really sorry, Elaine fans out there. But um, that's just, Anyway, yeah. the Barlows gather at the flat later and they talk to Audrey and Peter's they talk about Audrey and Peter's very defensive about the fact that he's not the bad guy in this. And Carla mentions that he threatened to kill Stephen and Ken can't believe this. And and Peter's feeling like everyone's attacking him, so he leaves. Oh yeah, I forgot. Oh, yeah, I forgot that Ken didn't know the full story before, did he? Max finds Peter in Victoria Gardens, and this was quite interesting because Max is obviously, you know, the sort of black sheep of the Platt family, and Peter's here. This, the 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 sort of the kind of golden boy, I don't know, of the of the Barlows, who's been accused of killing Stephen, the um one of the Platts, and so this meeting here of the are they the black sheep of the families? I don't know. He asks Max. Uh, Max asks him, how you doing? And, you know, not all my family hate you for what you did. So this was quite interesting that, that Max is saying there's a bit of a divergence amongst the Platts about whether he was correct in what he did. Mm. So Carla and Ken show up and Ken apologises for what he'd said earlier. And, and Carla Carla says, this is, you know, <coughs> she kind of gives the, 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 the party line. You saved Jenny's life. And this is going to be what they all use as as Peter's literal get-out-of-jail-free card. He was saving Jenny's life. And that's the important thing. (coughs) 
Tim's talking to Lay later on and asking her if she really wants to stay. And she's like, yeah, I do. And you were right about Stephen all along because she feels guilty. This is like a combination of a mother's love, but also the guilt that she kind of almost thinks she picked her love, her lover over her son. She didn't realise it was going to get this to this point in time, but she's the one who dated Stephen. And it really was the reason, the reason why Tim got so involved in this whole thing. There's probably got to be a bit of guilt over the fact that she just disappeared for the last few months, leaving Tim still in the neighbourhood with this, with this serial killer. Yeah. So he tells her that she deserves a fresh start and, and she should be selfish for once. And he's trying to get rid of her. I guess that, I guess that, um, the whole thing with Elaine partly has been she has been kind of a bit annoying Gooseberry to, to Sally and Tim for years, hasn't she? Tim does yeah. have obviously affection for her, but he doesn't need her hanging around and <laughs> getting in the way also of his, I think his and Sally's hanky panky time. Maybe Sally's had a little word, a secret word in in Tim's ear going, get rid of your mind. I love the scene. I can't remember which episode it was. Maybe it was this one. Maybe it was this scene where they talk about, um, Elaine mentions the fact that she and Sally have got the same hairstyle and Sally's yes. like, not quite not identical. Not exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, this but is great. Sally, Sally gives Tim all the mothering he needs. <laughs> yeah, for sure. On Friday, um, we get to see the beginning of Tim's flashbacks. And he has a little... He wakes up on Friday with a start after a flashback. And Carla says she's going to go... This is a separate scene. Carla says she's going to go back to the factory. And and, um, Ryan, at this point, has moved back in with her or he's going to. So he says... She tells him that the police are going to trace the cash that Stephen stole so that she can get the factory back upon his feet. So at the factory, she tells everybody, well, she tells Sarah. I've just realised that in the notes of this, it still says Monday, Wednesday, Friday, even though it was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Sorry you know what that. we're talking about. <clears throat> so, quarter of a million pounds have been stolen from Underworld, and that's literally every single penny they had in their account. So, Carla tells Sarah on, on the final episode of the Wednesday. week that she needs to go to sort this out, she's there's an order coming from Spain and they've cancelled. So she has decided that she needs to go to Spain to get them, to, to beg them to keep this order open. I think that she just wants an excuse <coughs> to have a bit of a jolly. Is she's that like, right, Carla? Listen, I need, I need to drink three litres of sangria in one day. Yeah, and I maybe, don't maybe want you to pick up a little me. bit of the duty free on the way back. Exactly. She's like, I need a massive Toblerone and I don't know where else to get it. <laughs> um, so she's decided on Friday that she needs to go to Spain to save the factory. At the hospital, Elaine tells Tim that she's going to stay until he's settled. And she gets really upset that she was so gullible with Stephen and... Um, and Tim decides he's... Well, she, she she relates it to Jeff. I mean, Jeff gets more of a shout-out this <coughs> week than Richard Hillman does, because Elaine's... At least Elaine has got the graciousness, or whatever the word is, to admit, oh, yeah, what an idiot I've been <laughs> yet again. I've been fooled by by a man. But Gail's like, Just don't mention Richard. Don't, don't bring it up. Don't bring it up. <laughs> so, um... Tim decides he's going to make a bucket list of things that he wants to do before he dies because this brush with death has been too much for him to handle. So I guess he can strike off married to two chicks at once. <laughs> yeah. <already. laughs> I don't know what else he's got on there. Meanwhile, David's um, picking up Stephen's stuff from Rita's flat 
and Rita tells him to give Audrey their love and he leaves and Rita gets emotional thinking about something. Oh, it's the fact that she's still got Jenny. She right. she feels bad <clears throat> for Audrey because um, even though, I guess, they're not on the same side anymore. Um, or are they? I don't really remember. Jenny's thinking Audrey has lost her son a son who she's only been able to spend half of his life Rita's with. Rita's thinking Rita's this, thinking yeah. exactly the same thing with Jenny. I missed so much of Jenny's uh, early adult life. She's her foster mum, yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I can't um, I can't imagine what the, well, what it would be like if I was an Audrey. Yeah, she ca- gets emotional thinking about the fact that she, you know, she she's the mother figure to, to Jenny. And Jenny then tells she she kind of gets this look on her face and she says Rita got to tell you something and she she kind of confesses that just before Stephen was killed he told her that he wasn't going to hurt her and this is this is a revelation to the viewers too because we know that there was a little kind of hushed conversation and then we hear the bottle drop but we didn't know what was said I'm glad that it's been revealed I'm glad it yeah quickly this is There's not the, it wouldn't have made sense to have kept it a secret it's not really you know it's not the most incredible amazing revelation it's not something you know look under these coordinates or or something that's going to spin off a massively big storyline it was literally I'm not going to hurt you, which is what you kind of could have imagined he had said. Yeah, so Jenny now, is this a week later? Is this a few days later? I've lost track of time again. Don't think about it too hard. But Jenny's been carrying this with her ever since, hasn't she? Knowing that, well, according to Stephen at least, he wasn't a danger to her yeah. when he was mowing so down. And she, she's thinking, do I, drop him, saying, do I drop yeah. Peter in it here? Every I know time, the truth. Every time Peter Peter and Co are saying, I saved your life, you know, Je- Jenny didn't die because Peter killed Stephen before I had the chance. Jenny's thinking, but he said he wouldn't hurt me. And and Rita says, I don't believe he meant this. And it's, this is definitely something to think about here. Did he really mean that? Was he was he sincere? Because you can say you don't mean to hurt somebody when you are about anyway. to stab them. But with also, a you glass. can you can totally you can totally mean like I don't want to hurt you. I I wish this wasn't going to happen. But if something goes badly, I can totally believe that Stephen would have changed his tune quite quickly. I did believe that Stephen In had the some affection yeah. for Jenny. I mean, yes, he was going to fleece her, but he looked really upset about it. That scene last week where he was standing at the sink and having a bit of a cry, I felt like, I did feel bad for him. Yeah. Because he... of you know, he didn't he didn't go into this wanting to become a murderer. He wasn't. He's not the same as Phelan. His murders, apart from, I guess, the Rufus one, have been a bit of one bumbling mishap to the other. Uh, he would have liked nothing better to have retired with with Jenny, the woman that he's been holding a, a, a torch for for this past year. Um, but on the other side, when he had her outside the Rovers with a glass to her throat, I wouldn't blame Jenny if I never trusted anything he said again. No, absolutely. Um, he he and, could and have killed her there. Yeah, I mean, it's all very well to say to somebody, you know, I... If it's me or you, that's a different question to I don't want to hurt you. And if if it was if Stephen was up against it, I don't believe for a minute he wouldn't have sacrificed anybody, even Audrey, to try to get. And I also want to point out that I do think that Audrey and, and Stephen is a bit of a one sided love there because I don't think that 
Stephen cared as much about Audrey as she does about him. He he does love her, <coughs> his mum, and he was saying to Jenny, I've, I've, all of this that I've done is trying to impress her. I, I wanted to make her see that, you know, that... Audrey. Yeah, Audrey, that, that what I've achieved in my life. So he did care about what she thought, but yeah, on the other hand, he was... You know, trying to fleece her, he tried to steal her the money for her house. He nearly murdered. He nearly drugged her. Sorry, earlier this year. Um, anyway, and yeah, anyway. Jenny. Jenny tells Rita this, and she says she doesn't want to get Peter in more trouble. So, is she gonna? Is she gonna confess? I I think that at the end of the day, it's going if to be Jenny's be a word. Court case. There, yeah, I, I think there's got she's to be a court case, and I think that this is going to be the decisive piece of evidence. I think she's going to keep quiet about this. It could even be that she does decide to keep it quiet, and it's Rita that gets up on the stand. <gasps> Rita, Can you imagine you Rita versus long, Audrey? Well, no, it's Rita versus Ken, I suppose, isn't it here? Because Rita would be the one that was dropping. Uh, Peter in it. Rita's word would send Peter to the gallows. Well, mm, the nice. At least. I really like the way that this is incorporating some of the sort of legacy characters on the mm. on the street. Well, Peter is a legacy character, yeah. isn't he? He's he's you know I know he's been played by many actors over the years. Yeah, um, Chris obviously. Gascoin Chris has Gascoin been him for over twenty years yeah. now. But um, yeah, Peter is one of the longest serving characters on the street, technically. So if this is culminating in him potentially leaving the show or going to jail, being sent down for murder or whatever, it's only fair that some of the biggest names on Coronation Street are also caught up in it. Jenny, Sally, Audrey, Ken. Exactly. These are the characters that appeared on the, unfortunately, um, uh, edited down COVID anniversary cast picture Sally, yeah, all, all these. Sally's like the longest running character that was on that list, mm. and everybody else involved is is only had a greater. Yeah. Ser- well, I, I've been saying for a while that some of the characters that have been in it the longest do get underserved. Ian McLeod very much favours getting the young uns in, doesn't he? He's for the last few years, it's been all teens all the time, it's felt. So now, if we do have a story that's going to have the real stalwarts of the street fighting out about whether Peter did or did not deserve to be sent down for Stephen's murder, brilliant, that's all I can say. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how that Absolutely plays out. Absolutely fantastic way of pivoting the story into something that's incredibly dramatic and far-reaching so good job coronation street even though you, i don't know why you can't stop mumbling people are wondering what you're saying so gail and david find this is funny they find stephen's will while they're going through his stuff which includes a s'mores maker oh yeah you, you screenshotted that and zoomed in didn't I you i want this you can you, buy you, it i found it online on amazon but it's 30 quid mm. i don't think it's that good I'm not. I'm not going to buy it. Just I don't was, really see was, Stephen as a s'mores eater. It's supposed to be a joke because you know I, I don't know how much Canadians love s'mores, but it's a North American. Yeah, I, I thing, think it, isn't it? Yeah, maybe it was a sly nod to the fact that Tom Boyce really isn't actually Canadian. Canadian. I mean, we don't really have s'mores here, do we? We don't. It's not a thing we do. We, not, well, we toast a marshmallow really. on on the fire, mm. but that's about it. I would um, say that smalls have risen in popularity over the past have. couple of decades. Oh, definitely. Yeah, for sure. But nobody's buying a smalls maker. <laughs> uh, this is why he had to bring it over, I guess. Do you think Gabrielle was like, 
listen, Stephen, you owe me £200,000, but here's your s'mores maker. <laughs> yeah, probably. do you think that was part of the divorce settlement? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> I get the divorce. I get the s'mores maker, Gabrielle. He's, she's like, fine, I can get one for $10. He's like, it's 30 quid here. <laughs> anyway, Tim goes back home later. He's having more nightmares on the sofa. There's a shout out to Zombeezy, which is great because I've mentioned it a few times recently. Sally and Elaine tell him to go to bed and get some proper sleep, but he doesn't. And he's acting like a brave soldier, but he's clearly still quite affected by what's happened. And um, when Gail and uh, and David find this uh, will from Stephen, it turns out she's he's left everything to to Audrey, which again I'm really intrigued about because surely that includes if they if the police can't recover the money, that includes the quarter of a million pounds that he transferred from Underworld. So why would Audrey not give it back? It doesn't make any sense. Maybe that's what will happen. Maybe they'll just do pass the parcel for a little bit and then... Yeah, I can, I can kind of imagine her being reluctant and saying, why should I give it back to you? I don't, know how, much, Stephen, I don't know how much Stephen had that actually genuinely belongs to him that Audrey no, is going to inherit what now. What does that mean? Yeah, he you did, great. The like the Red Bank flat didn't belong pence. to him. I don't, has he still got a yeah. car anymore? I can't, I can't I even remember. remember. Um, uh, so, she'll, so she'll maybe, get some snazzy suits and that's about it maybe um, this will be Michael's chance for redemption because he's in limbo slightly uh, following his disgrace in giving... are you saying that Stephen is going to um, bequeath Michael to Audrey no. and Michael is going to be a <laughs> new prodigy here's, here's my here's, <laughs> can you train here at the salon it looks like body. <laughs> no I'm just wondering whether Michael could sort of give a moving speech to Audrey to get her to give the money back to Underworld and that might get him back his job and mm. save everyone's jobs. I, I, I would hope that Audrey isn't going to need a whole lot of convincing. Although well, maybe she, she although maybe she will. Well if it's all if it's yeah, if she's giving it to, and Peter's mm. business, she'd be like, I'm not giving it back to you. But then again Sarah works for Underworld and that's her but then if Sarah's going on the side of Auntie Stephen She's going no, it's to... Uncle Stephen, not Auntie Stephen. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> Auntie Stephen. Um, yeah, if she, if Sarah, if Sarah was doesn't support Stephen, then Audrey might take it in spite. I think that Sarah, she did seem kind of sad that her uncle was dead. Yeah, I know, but this is, week, it's just an interesting she? thing to talk about. We're not going to really know until we get into into the episodes next next week. Mm. So, Gail's worrying about Audrey, and David says, "Don't worry, she'll be fine." Um, oh, then there's a, I hate this scene Sally comes back and she and Tim balance their chakras which involves balancing on his whatevers uh, and I don't no, care I about that Steve comes that. in in the middle of this and Tim walks down in his, in his dressing, dressing gown and, and Steve's come back off holiday and they talk and oh, loads just, of it was just a load of silly sexy cliche kind of opportunity they talk about having Tim playing petanque or something what's that? It's, it's some, some French game. They kept saying it. Was, like they balls just mean or balls. Yeah. I, I don't care. Carla that was an unnecessary Steve appearance. Cut that for Canada. That was a definite cut for Canada scene, I would Carla say. Carla comes back to the flat and tells Peter she needs to go to Spain to salvage the deal. And I was he's... surprised to see Carla at this point because it was like half an episode ago yeah. that Carla suddenly announced to Sarah, on... I'm going to Spain now, goodbye. She's like... And when she came back, I thought she'd missed her plane. Well... <clears throat> They have, they have a really nice scene with Carla and 
and Peter, which was very realistic, they had a little f a bickering session. And because she's like, you've got a tone in your voice. And he says, no, I don't. And then they kind of make up at the end and everything's very sweet. And this is, it, it kind of humanises their relationship. And she tells him she'll be back as quick as she can, etc., etc. So I really like that they included that. And I hope that all the, the Carter fans enjoyed enjoyed that one. Um, and Shona, Shona spe speaks to David and... Uh, uh, for some reason he's working at, at Audrey's even I did, though he I've used to work at I don't know where Lord. anybody works and he says they're, they're fully booked because everyone wants the gossip on what happened with Stephen and then at the final the final part of the episode uh, the final part of the week was that Tim is having a, a little nightmare about being suffocated by I Stephen. Yeah, that's that's the other. I've got, I've, got, I've got many problems with the fact that there's flashbacks. I would have thought that the flashbacks would have died with Uncle Stephen, but it seems like that Tim has taken over the as as the person who has the flashbacks. But he's when he's not imagining. He's not. They, they didn't even bother to film flashbacks from his point of view. They're just literally playing clips from last week's episodes with a bit of a golden filter over them. So Steve. So Tim is remembering what he looked like from above. I, it just, it's completely and utterly unnecessary. Please, please, Coronation Street, stop putting flashbacks. Stop doing your flash forwards. Stop doing silly sound effects. It's really, really spoiling it. But it, it really is feeling at the moment that you can't go even a week without this, this experimental editing that really adds very little to the drama that couldn't be achieved by just some decent performances from the actors and, and decent scripts Which and everything. Which they're all doing. Yeah, yeah, they are all doing them already. So I, 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 I don't need to see Tim imagining last week. It's, it's, it just feels like it's the produce, it's the show showrunners going, "Hey, remember this, everybody? Remember how great it was last week?" Oh, doesn't need it. So, um, how, how did you find this story as a, as a follow up to all the big drama from last week? Did you find it a, a worthy follow up? I enjoy the fact that it's um, such a high-stakes story that's developed from from Stephen. I still would have rather had Stephen in it longer and blah, blah, blah. We've spoken about it too much. I don't know why. I need to say it again. Well, no. I just want, you know, sometimes when they have these big weeks, the following week it just peters out or it's just ah. interviewed now. There's, there's a storyline title ah. for you. Um, or, or it's just, you know, interview scenes and then it's over. I, I I remembering when when Pat got stabbed the next week Hannah was just like anyway I'm going off Faye's gonna go with her and there didn't feel like there was a whole follow up but this has literally spiraled off into a to completely separate story and um and I think that they've done a really good job of keeping up the momentum. Can I say I I think that Faye is the secret mastermind behind all the serial killers on the street because when the dust settles, she suddenly conveniently nowhere to be found, even though she was pretty close to all the people involved. Yeah, that's the last very two true. times. Think about <laughs> it. Think about it. Is um, it a coincidence? Is she dancing her way to freedom? Mm. Good question. Thanks, th Gemma. Do you think that um, if Peter were to be found guilty of this? Would Car is Carla going to stick with him? Do you think that she would happily be married to a murderer? I really do think that, that if they break Carla and Peter up over this, uh, it would be a mistake. I can see them going on the rocks about this if she's questioning him and he doesn't appreciate it. But 
really they've got a really deep bond which they explored a bit in the final episode this week where she goes off to Spain there's definitely a real depth to their relationship that is I, I appreciate um so i would be very surprised if she doesn't stick by him because again she she doesn't really care what anyone else thinks she's she's so secure in herself and um she doesn't need anyone's approval if you found out that i'd killed somebody just because i was kind of really mad at them Mm -hmm. would you be able to look past that I, I mean, think... I don't want this to be held against me in a court of law. <laughs> it really does depend on who it was. And Giancarlo clearly did have an axe to grind, a major axe to grind with, with Stephen. I mean, but I you think... can argue, honestly, that it was motivated, the majority of it was motivated by Peter's love for Carla. Mm. I don't think he would have really given a crap about what Stephen was up to if it didn't involve Carla. I suppose so. I just think... If somebody messed with you and then... You know, I had the chance and it looked like I could get away with it. Who knows what would have happened? <laughs> well, I think Peter's maybe Pete, just banking do you, do you on this ending the same think? way as it did for Toya, which is admitting that she's done it. Clearly she did it. I know she didn't admit it in court or anything, but just getting away with it and nobody mentioning it again. But do you really think that Peter would have really cared about anything that Stephen did if it wasn't for Carla? No, not not. It, not it, it really. really is down to Carla that he even got involved in this in the first place. It was it was motivated by love. So if you're a Carla and Peter fan, you're going to be rooting for him to get away with it. Peter, if indeed you believe that there is anything to get away with, Peter has always been a bit of a philosopher, hasn't he? Especially since that trip to LA and he came back all chill. Oh, so to me about that. I suppose he would feel that justice should be done. What does and that the, mean? And that and that he he would that he justice. would be yeah and that he would be against Peter uh, against Stephen sorry I I don't know I don't know um I just think that um I don't know what, I don't know I think I think I've said everything I think about this but I would also I would like to point out that I think it's fairly bad of Carla that she swans off to Spain when her husband is being investigated for murder is she really owned the only one that can save this Spanish deal that we didn't even know existed and can it not be done over Zoom yeah I don't that that kind of made me um look again when I heard that she decided she is going to Spain she just kind of dropped it out of nowhere as well, didn't she? Just like, that's what you do. He just, yeah, I'm just going to Spain. It's like, I'm just popping down the shops. The way that she just casually mentioned it. I'm not even going to get involved it. in discussing this because I guess there's more to why she went to Spain. It feels like a uh, production It really does feel issue. like a let's give Ali King a rest kind of thing. It doesn't feel like it's um, justified whatsoever by the story, but we'll just brush that under the carpet. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of interested to see, like what Ryan has to do with this, if anything, because he's had his own story this week, which we're going to get to in a minute. But considering that he and Peter have been living together for a good part of this year, Ryan's got surprisingly little to say. You know, he's not he's not picking a side here at the moment, is he? So maybe Peter and... His Ryan, Ryan is moving back now, isn't he? Maybe they'll uh, bond more there or something. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, I, I thought this was a, a good old storyline this week. Unfortunately for me, the week started off strong on Monday and and tailed off as Wednesday and Friday, uh, sorry, Tuesday and Wednesday went on. Um, and I think it was because of the increase in other stories compared to this. But um, 
yeah, I'm, I'm very intrigued to see where this goes next. So um, let's move on to the Ryan storyline, speaking of which. And um, he is, at the beginning of the week, telling Lauren that he's, he's feeling pretty, pretty down about things, about this... Um, he he's got he's been asked by Daniel to go into school to do this talk to the to the wrongans about what what a sad victim he is and he was he was asked this months ago it feels like now but today is the day that he's he's got to do it and uh, Daniel persuades him in the cafe to just give it a shot it'll be fine but um he's going to also call in Daisy as a bit of a backup so that she can say her side of the story as well so very quickly we get to these prison scenes and um. Daisy's there giving Ryan a bit of encouragement and saying, look, you could you could really make a difference on these kids' lives. And Ryan's like, I want to be strong, but I don't know whether I can. And Daisy says, oh, you're one of the most strongest person people I know, which was a bit of a bit cliche dialogue, I'm going to say. So Daisy... Uh, takes the reins first and uh, and does her speech to the to the gall- the gathered scallies in the prison and she's saying oh I I think that they did a good job with the speeches but I don't know I didn't really feel mega invested in their feelings this week and, and then when he you know when he does his speech to the uh, to the camera later when he says I'm coming off social media. Everything, you know, the dialogue was good, the the performance was good, but I felt it difficult to really invest and have sympathy in them. I don't know, how did you feel about this story in general this week? <laughs> I wasn't... <clears throat> I, I, I question how effective it would be to get a bunch of teenage boys, and I don't, I'm not being rude about boys or teenagers, but I am going to say that there's definitely a um, pressure... In, in groups in those particular, you know, Certainly. demographics yeah. to oh. n- not find anything emotionally affecting and be too cool. And I can't believe that prisoners, like all these boys who've been chucked in prison for, for whatever, are going to be like, oh, wow, Daisy's so... It just affected me emotionally. They're just going to be talking about how much they want to shag her and, and what, you know. <laughs> it's the first just, time they've seen a woman in, in who really, knows how I many just, months, I probably, isn't it? I just can't believe that, that Daniel is... After... How long has he worked there? Is he so naive that he really thinks? Anyway, but obviously in, in the world of Coronation Street, this works. I don't know. I don't know. I mean... What was your um, question? I don't even remember. No, I was just asking you how, how it affected you. Were you also yawning along with the, uh, well, with the yawning again, scally? The problem is... Nothing <laughs> that Daisy or Ryan could say in in a speech was better than what I've seen them go through since they were attacked. And that was like, a long time ago. Emotionally, March, was it? I really think like we have grown with the characters and we've been along for the ride and we've seen them go through this and we've had our own emotional reaction. So to have a speech you know, what is it, six months later, about how bad this was. We know, we've seen it, we've been there, we saw, we were with you the whole time. I don't, I, I it, don't need another speech about how yeah, bad it was. It, it feels like it's you've just already dragging done the on work. a little bit too long. You and... guys have done the work here, you've already put in the hours to tell me that this is bad, I don't need a speech at the end of it that's going to change my mind already, I'm already... 100% on your mm. side. Yeah, so Daisy does her speech and one of the one of the teens there is kind of yawning his head <laughs> off very rudely. And Daisy, to be, uh, to be fair, she's like, I'm oh, sorry, hun, am I keeping you up? But then when Ryan then comes up, the, the yawner gets a bit too 
fed up with this and he, he storms out of the room. Daniel goes after him. Um, he's a big old fluffhead, isn't he? Yeah, and he's like, oh, I don't need to sit here being made to feel guilty about what I've done. Turns out that this guy glassed a bloke, you see, and it's touching a nerve somewhat. But he mm. reluctantly returns to the classroom to hear more of Ryan's inspiring words about, you know, freeing themselves in their heads and everything. And um, by the end of it, Yorna has turned himself round and, and uh, doesn't Ryan get a fist bump from him at the end of the scene or something? I'm not convinced that... A biony of this. Da- Daisy, I mean, it might not have worked on the teens, but she was there just realising how this scene, how hot and sexy Ryan was. And, this scene oh, was I love not, a, I love a victim, says Daisy. This scene was not to convince the the scallywags of, of the prison to, to change their ways. It was literally just to get Daisy's pants wet for Ryan. Basically. And it definitely worked. She's making googly eyes at him the whole time. <laughs> yeah, and at the, end, <laughs> at the end of the scene, you've got real coughs this evening, haven't Sorry. you? You're right. I apologise. No, no, no. I just want to check you're okay. Yes. Yes, you're okay. Good. Um, so, yeah, they, they have this scene at the end of the episode where they kind of say, oh, you know, sometimes... The only real way that you can know someone is if you both have Bonin. acid chucked at you. Oh. And, you know, we're, we, we've got this bond that nobody else understands. It's it's hard to explain it unless you... They don't... They they manage to keep their hands off each other for Monday's episode, at least. But Tuesday is when it kind of really um, gets down Bump and dirty. Yes. So um, Daniel tells Ryan, oh, your speech were dead good yesterday, Ryan. You did a really good job. Um, and, and, and oh no no sorry he says that to Daisy doesn't he and, and Daisy maybe this this should be a chance for you to reset and, and seek new avenues and it all seems he's basically just saying, a little bit giving giving her tacit permission in soap secret code to go and bone Ryan Daniel saying oh it'd be really cool if you started a new chapter and got off your ass and got a new job considering that I'm bringing in all the bacon here on my my I guess part time teacher's job because he doesn't <laughs> spend any amount of time doing anything as far as I can tell compared to a normal teacher he seems like he's got it easy timetable wise I know it's, it's going to be difficult teaching the the ne'er-do-wells rather than the the, the, the class of well-behaved angels that I thought are it in Weathy High absolutely <laughs> hilarious that his um display board that was made for the Edinburgh trip that he took that we learned oh, yeah, so much that, about when he was working at Weatherfield High last year, going on about this bloody Edinburgh trip. And they made a display about it and he brought it with him, put it in the hallway of the of Highfield yeah, we Prison. That set, set dresses. That is the same one, guys. Don't try to kid me. Why did you put it? You think we wouldn't notice? It's like he's going, Listen, listen, kids, I know you're all in prison right now. But if you play your cards right and you work really hard and you say you're sorry, you too could <laughs> go, go to, to Edinburgh. Edinburgh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like especially from Manchester, it's not it's not as far away as it is from here. Mm. Like you can go to France it's within much, your grasp. You can go to France much it, faster than you could from here than you can go to Edinburgh. It's actually quite exotic, but I don't think for Northerners it's quite as mm. big of a deal. Anyway, <laughs> there Ryan, are pandas there, I've heard, and ghosts. Ryan's in his flat later. He's still he's still got this Lauren flat in the precinct, and uh, he's pumping iron and he's doing his drugs and everything. Daisy comes round. I love pumping um, iron. Offers to go drugs. out for a drink with him, and she nearly uncovers his drug pouch, but he didn't do it. She didn't see it, and um, he says, "Look, I it was bizarre, just go and wait, had... wait for me in the bakery, and I'll be down soon." He had a sharps box. Well, that's how you do it, do it properly, isn't it? So, um, in the precinct, Max and Gav are there. They're basically just arsing around. And, and Gav, who is, you know, he's starting to get a bit of a reputation for 
throwing lemonade around everywhere because today he douses Ryan with it, which he lives to regret because Ryan himself has a little flashback. Everyone's having flashbacks this week. Ryan's Coronation having flashbacks. Street. Tim's having flashback. But at least, you know, at least with Ryan's flashback, they did a bit of a better job and they actually got Justin Rutherford, 1989, to come and make a little appearance on the show rather than just showing an old clip of it. So that was a nice little moment, wasn't it? Seeing Ryan, uh, seeing Justin there. Yeah, just to be clear, Gav throws water on no Gav throws water, water slash on, lemonade or something on, on Ryan, Ryan and he, and has he a little... thinks it's Justin who's the guy that threw acid on everybody yes, yes but yes. I just want to say um I completely think it's great that Coronation Street is focusing a bit more on the mental health implications of some of the incredibly serious things and issues based storylines that are happening to the characters in Coronation Street but I think we all know what I'm going to say. What? Well, everyone's going through a tough time on Coronation Street. It's literally issues-based storylines left, right and centre. I do not, do not want to see every single character having a mental health crisis and flashbacks and PTSD and emotional trauma based on all these... I, I know it's realistic... But if I wanted to see realism, I'd just go onto YouTube and watch documentaries about sad people. <laughs> I don't. Coronation Street can't doesn't can't afford the amount of time it would take for everyone to have a realistic flashback. Does, uh, do do flashbacks really like this it? really happen though? It seems I like really, it is a I Coronation Street thing that people say, remember. Yeah, I know. It's it's a way. It's a it's a fictional. It's a way of fiction depicting trauma that is specifically. Only, I really genuinely think that this is only a fictional thing. It's very rare, surely, to have this happen. But yeah, well, I, so I'd rather far, this happened the... with characters that I haven't seen. Like, I really liked seeing Justin again. That was cool. It's a nice kind of... But not in the same week that we're having flashbacks about Stephen. He's also not in the show anymore. It's a nice little mini surprise if they use it sparingly. Yeah, but it's they... not like they do it all the time. Yeah, but I but... feel as though... Even though it wasn't that, it was like last year, I still feel like it's so soon and close to Yasmin having her flashbacks with Yeah, that's what I was Jeff. just about to say. Sorry, Diane. And also, um, Daniel, and it's not exactly the same, but do you remember when he was looking at Bethany and seeing Sinead after she died? It's just happening so frequently, it's lost its impact. That's it, that's it. They need it. to think of a different way of doing it. And but I, they don't need to do it at they all. They need to do it at all. It's not. I, it's know, always good to have a cameo, but it's and we've criticised, you know, and everyone criticises the show, and we've we've joked with people that work on the show before about how much, you know, emotional damage would be done to everybody, and they said, oh, you know, if everybody was really, uh, if everyone spent as much time thinking about it as you would do in real life, then they'd all be crippled with PTSD or something. But yeah, exactly. So let's not show all this stuff. You, you can't, you just cannot do it. It just doesn't make any sense. You've got to suspend disbelief and not have it the same way you've got to suspend disbelief and we don't see them going to the toilet. I don't need to see the nitty gritty and... It... Did, did this really advance the plot that much? Because Daisy, you know, she'd already decided, I think, that me, me and Ryan were going to get down and dirty. Did, did we need to see Ryan losing it and beating up Gav and day, just to make us believe that Daisy would want to go no, to No, but I was glad that Gav was in it. I like to see I like to see Gav, but 
More gav. It, it felt like that seems a little bit unnecessary. I I, I don't know. They... And if, listen, I'm just going to say this after everything I've just said there. If the only time we get to see gav ongoing is through this, the sad um, um, PTSD flashbacks of when Max was his friend, hmm. then fine. But more gav, nevertheless. Yes. Gavin Sabrina, underused. Yes. So anyway, um, they go back to the flat to Ryan and, and Daisy, and he's dead upset about everything that happens. And Daisy's like, "Oh, don't don't worry. Let me support you let, let me, with my yeah, hand on your penis." How <laughs> how rude! He she wants to talk about it, and she says, "Look, you can't bury your head in the sand over this. You have clearly got PTSD, haven't you?" And he's like, "I can't. You can't help me. Nobody can." He gets a bit of the roid rage again, but quickly apologises. And then he starts opening up to her about his drug addiction. Well, not addiction, you know, his his habit that he's been going through the past few months. And he says, oh, yeah, you know, I wanted to beef up. It's a bit like armour. I felt so bad about my appearance. And this made me kind of feel a little bit bit more like I used to when people used to fancy me. And Daisy says, this isn't you. And he's like, I don't know who I am now, okay? She says, look, remember that brilliant speech you did yesterday? That's that's the Ryan that, that I... She didn't say the one that I love, but we know that's what she was meaning. That's the best version of you. So later on, Daniel Daisy's a little bit night with Daniel when it turns out that he knew about the steroids as well. And then they bicker. So this was kind of put in there as a way to try and excuse Daisy for her later behaviour to say, well, you know, Daniel had been, had had a secret against her, so it's fair game that she bonks right, and I don't know, I, I certainly didn't feel that. Um, and then we have another emotional scene from Ryan, which I just, like you said earlier, I've, I feel like I've seen it all before, it, it, it left me cold, I'm going to say, and it's nothing to do with Ryan's performance or the, or the words in the script, but I didn't need another scene of him doing an emotional speech. He got, he's there with his mask filter on, isn't oh, he? Oh, I didn't like this. Going on to Ovid's, and, the, and probably his subscribers are like, I didn't, I didn't pay however much for a month to hear you banging on about your problems. Get your kit off, man. But he, he talks about, oh... I, I, you know, I thought by doing these videos I'd be creating a truth for myself and now it's time to stop lying. It was all ugh. Come on, grow up, way, man. <coughs> anyway, I can see this feeling in any way justified as if he becomes from this some kind of uh, psychology guru or something because in real life, if, if a... Um, an internet personality goes online and sort of spills their guts and says some kind of sad sob story. Everyone just makes fun of them. <laughs> yeah, they and do, then doesn't they? Just like remixes their yeah, re- video. In real to, life, Ryan like, would become a meme from this. Exactly. And, and the best one in the world, the silly mask that he was wearing looked really dodgy. I don't know who was in charge of that, but I can imagine that he didn't have as much of a budget as TikTok does. But... Yeah. It just it just and didn't really work like for been, me. I he's did, like I, been I internet in famous for, for what, three months. Yeah, we've been doing this for eleven years, and if we did a speech about how we're sad and we're not going to do Coronation Street uh, podcasts anymore, about three people go sorry about that, and then that'd be the end of it. <laughs> Who cares? Oh, I don't know how many people were watching, but among the viewers were Daniel, Roy, and Nina. So clearly, uh, subscribers to Ryan's account. Sean and Izzy are both in the underworld um, toilets and They're in separate cubicles, crying. Yeah, going live feed from Ryan. Brilliant! What he's quitting. Sean, Sean and, and Izzy are the real unsung victims of this week, aren't Daniel. they? Never mind. <laughs> never mind Tim. 
never mind, Ryan. Yeah. Daniel, Roy and Nina are like, well, okay, where do I get my refund for my year's subscription? <laughs> yeah. I paid in advance. <laughs> um, so we have a scene later if of If you'd day- like to pay in advance via our Patreon feed for Conversa- thank you, thank you. Conversation Street, you get 8% off an entire year's wow. subscription. It's brilliant. Daisy's in Seb's garden. Just saying as well she's listening to Ryan's <laughs> video and clearly it's yeah. having much more of an effect on her than it did on us so it's definitely what six viewers he's got yeah for sure <laughs> nice one um so she goes around his flat and after a bit of a hug they start knocking each other's faces off because clearly she's into grief love it grief what's it called a grief thief yeah, she is a grief thief, isn't yeah. she? <laughs> so anyway, it didn't just stop at the snogging. They, they've they've done it. They've they come out of the bedroom later, and she's to be fair to her, looking guilty as she should. As she do, should, madam. Yes. And Ryan's like, I don't need to talk about what's happened. She's like, I, I don't think we can at the moment. Um, and then Daniel comes a knocking, and it's like, oh no, Daisy's in the flat with me. What am I going to do? And you've Go quite rightly door. pointed out that in this scene where Daisy was wondering how is she going to escape Ryan, there was a door literally right behind her I do that not led know out to the precinct. What they're doing with these precinct flats, but there are clearly two entrances. There's the entrance that you get to through the the back door staircase. And there's the ones that open onto the balconies that look over the precinct. And it's and they... not like they're painted up or anything, because no. we've seen people coming out of those before. They're, they're now acting as though those don't open, but we've seen them, we've seen, I'm sure, when it was um, Evelyn and... Uh, Cassie. Cassie's flat. I'm sure people came in and out of that. Door. I don't think they did. I don't think they did for that. Well, those I think doors that... are clearly the same doors that open onto the the precinct balconies, and there's no reason to think they don't open. Get rid of them. I know that in the scene later. I'm sorry. I know this is a bit of a side rant. There's Lauren and um, Ryan are talking in the flats uh, later on in the week, and Lauren is definitely sitting in front of that do- of that door with with her chair. But why the hell did you put the door in the in this freaking set if you didn't want to use it? Don't have a door. <laughs> it's because it had to match the outside, isn't it? But why? It? Ha- I'm sorry, but please. Anyway. Don't so- have a character going, how am I going to escape from this like clear thing I need to run away from? Standing in front of a doorway that you know opens to escape. <laughs> And well, don't does, ex- don't expect me to make not make fun of you if you're going to do it. That's she does the say. classic thing of hiding in the toilet, and Daniel comes in and he doesn't find that she's there, but her jumper from earlier is on the floor, so it feels like, well, oh, is he going to find coat, out or yeah. not? Or is it, is it a coat? I can't remember. <clears throat> um, so so she escapes. Well, no, Ryan kind of hides it with his foot. Yeah. So so Daniel ends up disappearing off, and Daisy is safe for now. Well, no, so Ryan and Daniel because, go for a drink. Yeah, yeah. But then Lauren comes in, and she's a bit more. Um, astute than Daniel clearly because she spots that Daisy's got a top on inside out so she thinks oh something's been going on here Daisy's I, th- I can't remember what Daisy's excuse is but anyway they, they go to the bistro and um, Daniel goes to the bog and Daisy says Ryan look that, uh, sorry Lauren's found out about us I don't know what we're going to do here and he says don't worry Lauren's cool but and Daisy reckons that um, they've done something really really wrong here she's engaged to Daniel for crying out loud and that Ryan then just gets a bit arsy and leaves her alone. Um, is this why Daisy and Daniel have stayed engaged for all this time? I, to me, it does. It really hasn't made sense that they've not got married because they were they were there on their wedding day back in March, and it felt like even then they weren't engaged for that long. I can't remember how long they've been engaged for, but 
I don't know, they should just get married or not, because I think it's over now. When's... Well, it's not even that they should get married or not, but at least have a conversation where they acknowledge the fact that they were going to get married and they've decided yeah, for whatever they reason. Did, but... Well, I don't know. If they just said, we've decided... All they needed was one scene where they said, we're right, where Daisy said something like, look, Daniel, I really would love to marry you, but everything that happened with this made me realise we should do it on our own properly instead of relying on, on subscribers and freebies. And he said, I don't mind waiting for you as long as you want. If you get the day you've always dreamed of, I don't care. And then we could have moved on mm. instead of having, yeah, we're, we're super, super in love with each other to the point we're going to get married, but then something went wrong and we decided not to. Mm. It kind of betrays their, the idea that they're super in love because if we, like... I'm imagining you and I, if something terrible happened on our wedding day, my first thought would be, I want to get married anyway. I don't want this to be the end point of our relationship. Or no. when I think about getting married to you, this is how it ends. Mm. You you either want to marry someone or you don't. And to be, I don't want to be rude to Daisy because I really do like her, but it does feel to me as though the entire thing was, I want a pretty picture of myself in a nice wedding dress. And if I can't get it, then forget it. Mm. Yeah, maybe you're right. I don't think that's what Coronation Street wants us to think, though. I don't know, I don't know. And also, obviously, Coronation Street wanted this drama to happen and it's more convenient that it does so when they're not married. too long. Yeah. So Wednesday's episode, um, Lauren's starting off the day having a bit of a joke with Ryan about Daisy being around there yesterday and the inside-out top thing. And Ryan's like, she's just a friend, she's just a friend. He goes and visits Carla and uh, he tells her, I need to move back in with you now because my Ovid's cash has stopped. I closed down my account and now I'm now I'm broke again. Um, Lauren notices in the cafe later that Daisy... Um, I, I was a bit surprised by how little Lauren knew of Daisy up until this point. And I know it's, you know, in the soap, everybody is supposed to know each other somehow and that's not necessarily real stick to real life but Lauren has the the shocking revelation in that scene that Daisy not only has a boyfriend but she's engaged to him so she then decides as for the as the episode goes on that she's going to use this newfound knowledge to her advantage and do a little bit of blackmailing oh this only seems like five minutes since we've had that in Coronation Street last so Ryan goes to the bistro to ask for a job back now he ain't get his Ovid cash and brilliant what are the chances he can start straight away and and what are the chances, doubly? Here comes Daisy, who has just very coincidentally got herself a trial shift at the bistro starting at exactly the same time. God, what are the chances of that, eh? So Ryan says to Daisy, look, I didn't have any clue that you were working here. The two of them agreed to keep their distance from each other. And Ryan says to Leanne, look, we need to, can we have separate shifts, me and Daisy, because we've been through a lot. Ryan sees Lauren in the street later and says look, I'm going to have to move out. I'm sorry, I haven't got the money. And Lauren's like, oh, no, well, what if I can't get anyone to take the re- the room? And I'm not going to have anywhere to live. I just... So I'm, I'm not I'm not really selling this story. I, 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 I don't know whether... Do you th- did, did you see much? Did you read much on the internet this week about whether people were into this story? No, because but it just I just kind of dumb for me. That she not that interesting. She fell across an opportune opportunity by having Ryan say, "Oh, I'll I'll come and join you and pay some of the rent." And mm. she was like, "Oh, that's handy." 
But once Ryan's gone, she's we're supposed to believe that this is the only chance she ever had for getting a roommate, and now she has to resort to drastic tactics in order to replace him. She literally found Ryan almost the moment she started looking for a yeah. roommate a few and weeks ago, didn't she? And she genuinely can't she? seem to, like, no, it just, I don't buy it. Mm. Well, there's a little bit of intrigue created later, because we see her having a mysterious phone call with somebody, um... And, and then it turns out that she's owing them quite a bit of cash. And she says, yeah, look, I'll, I'll try to get the money back to you as quick as I can. So... Yeah, I guess that's the get-out-of-jail-free card for the mm. Coronation Street to say, oh, no, no, no. So she tells Ryan, um, I need a grand. If you don't give me it, I'm going to tell everybody about you and Daisy sleeping together. Because clearly that's what was happening yesterday, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and he says, look, I can't, I, I can't just give you a grand. I, I'm not made of money. Um, I don't know what he's done with all this Ovid's cash. Has he, has he just automatically spend everything straight away? I think this is a, this is a, lef- a life lesson that maybe if you're going to make your money in internet fame, hoard a bit of it. Just put a bit of it under your mattress or something just in case. You need to keep a third of it for taxes. A, black, a blackmail opportunity um, arises. Anyway. You always keep a third back for taxes and make sure that you got yourself a... Somebody to help you do the um, the tax return, which is probably going to cost you about 150 quid. So um, he goes and tells Daisy. Not that I and know they... about how to make money on in, through internet pornography or or blackmail. Mm. She th- th- he goes to see Daisy and says, "Oh no, we need a thousand pounds." And they looked at their funds together, and they looks like they've got seven hundred pounds between them. But they need to get the rest today. What are they going to do? Otherwise, we're going to be we're going to everyone's going to find out what we did. Um, Daisy starts looking at payday loans and Daniel finds her at it and says, look, you don't need to do that. I'm a teacher. I'm made of money. We're dead rich as teachers. We just had a pay rise and everything. Michael, have have £300. And she Michael. says, no, 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 I couldn't possibly. But Michael. he's insists. You can't have £300, Gemma, no. Ryan get, and Daisy get together later on and, and, and he says, look, Daisy, we need to make sure Lauren stays quiet. She says, yeah, I agree. We can't, I can't afford to lose Daniel over this. Um... She she makes it clear that she in no way um, agrees with herself, uh, agrees that what she did with yesterday, what the two of them did yesterday was a good thing. She has got huge regrets over it. I would never do this again. And Ryan's like, well, I would. I, so he's still <laughs> quite pleased with his latest um, conquest, it seems. Um, Ryan gives Lauren the money and then she says, I want more, please. Lovely. I love money. Give me more. Um, That's what I say. And, and and Daisy, who had told Daniel that she was that the reason that she wanted this cash earlier was because she wanted to go and do a bit of retail therapy and buy a bag and a coat. She tells him, "Yeah, I went to, I, I got it, but um, it's going to stay in the cupboard for the moment because I need to find the right moment to debut it to the world." And and I say that. Daisy could probably show Daniel literally any item of clothing in her wardrobe, yep. any accessory from her shelves, and Daniel would believe it would it's brand you, new. It? It, it totally would. If you told me that, yeah. That I've en- got loads of stuff of... you've never seen before that I could say, look, this is what you bought me with my 300 pounds. Mm-hmm. Pound. So, I... And also, I'm going to say, Daniel does not strike me as an incredibly attentive uh, boyfriend. Mm. So the um, the the union between Ryan and Daisy this week, Gemma. What what are your thoughts on this? It was I... inevitable, but also incredibly disappointing. But I, we knew this was heading this way. I'm just surprised it took so long. It feels like it's being dragged out. But then we complain about other storylines that we say 
take too far so the kiss was still a couple of months ago wasn't it I just kind of like I agree with you I wish that they'd taken the plaster off first and just got it all out of the way months ago does it make them better character you know more moral that they resisted for a longer amount of time and is Daisy more moral because she's showing that she's a little bit sad that it happened well I tell you what I've got no sympathy (laughs) for her now I, I feel You're exactly the same. I feel exactly it's the same there's about this as I did when um, Sarah was got off with Damon earlier on this year. No, I don't agree with no. that. I'm really, really sad because both Sarah and Daisy have been characters that I've really enjoyed and now they're making them do these very morally questionable um, things, dropping their knickers, and I think, sorry, lady, you've gone really down in my estimation. And after I made such progress with my with my love of Daisy as well, after hating her when she first came in, and now I'm kind of feeling the same as I did about her when she first came in. I'm not enjoying her. I'm thinking, well, this is... Why do you do this, Coronation Street? Why do you ruin the characters that I like? I still think that the, all the performers in this are brilliant. I think that Charlotte Jordan is absolutely a massive asset to Coronation Street still. But now I feel that in order to enjoy Daisy again the character is going to have to do an awful lot of work for me to forget about the clear infidelity from this week's episode. Do you, so who do you think she's going to end up with then? Do you think she's going to end up with neither of them? Or is she going to sort of declare her love for Ryan? Or is she going to try to get back with Daniel? Well, surely the, well she's still with Daniel at the moment, no, no, but surely no. the writing is on the wall for the pair of them. When has there ever been a secret affair in a soap that stayed quiet? That's a good question. Never, that's when. Mm. So Daniel, it's only a matter of, I really don't know, but it is only a matter of time before Daniel finds out, which means that it's not really tense for me. Yeah, the the, the tension is, is Daniel going to find out? Well, yes, he will. It's just a matter of time is when. And I kind of want him to find out soon just to get it over with. I don't mm. like the idea of Daisy kind of sneaking about and lying to Daniel and yeah, having these secret whisper conversations with Ryan. I feel bad for him. Daniel's not done anything to deserve this apart from not telling Daisy that Ryan was on drugs, maybe. How much... So, so is do you think this is right to say that quite a lot of your opinion of this is just driven by your own personal thoughts of how you would react if you were Daniel in this situation. Maybe I am. Because it obviously never been in this situation, but because right because Daisy's a girl, I kind of sympathise with her more. Well, you always tell me that I'm being... Um, um... You are, you do. A male chauvinist when I blame Daisy. You do. Still, I'm just going to say, Ryan you definitely. Is okay, single. can I just say, you, you always do. I'm not defending Ryan at all. He, he made always, the moves just as much as she did. You're always a lot more harsh on the women in almost any situation. No, I don't think so. And I think that if Dan, if Ryan had been the one who had had a girlfriend and Daisy was single, then I would be just. I'd be taking Ryan to I'm task perfectly just as happy to give you a pass on the fact that perhaps Coronation Street is actually driving this because it's always the women who are in the wrong. Because I, I definitely think that's also something to think about. I do think that most of the main characters who cheat are women. And it's it's not like it's. And a... when I say cheat, I mean you're in a relationship and you have an you know you cheat on. Like, because like you said, Ryan's single, but I still also think he's just as culpable. I don't buy the idea that 
if you if you're um sleeping around or you can't say oh i didn't have an affair because i was single if you know the p- other person is in a relationship i know i know i've got lots of I'm harsh words for, for ryan as well this week um, but uh, yeah, I think that <laughs> I look. Daniel's going to find out. The, the question is how. Do you think that Lauren I, is going to be the one to reveal it? Don't know. Because she 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 got her money yeah, I today. Don't know. But I think, I think maybe that she's she's going to find out. Uh, Daniel's going to find out. But listen, the other thing I want to say is um, about cheating and affairs and whatever. The thing is about this situation is that Daniel has been nothing but sweet and lovely. And understanding and kind and and yeah, he's maybe a bit he's boring, maybe he's boring and not fun. You deserve to be cheated on to, to, to Daisy, but that you then you break up. If if somebody's abusive or horrible or or a cheat or um, you know uh, oh, what's the word um, coercively controlling, even in a very minor way, I can see why you would seek comfort in someone else's arms that definitely makes sense but in this situation it just seems so cut and dried that daisy should just be like daniel well, it's not working out mm. but it's a shame but each because the situation thought, is individual just, i thought just that daisy say. and daniel made a really interesting couple and again it took me a little while to warm to them together which makes me all the sadder that now it's over and it's like yeah. oh, I, I wasn't sure about them at first but then I really got invested in them and the idea that this is a bit of a Ken and Deirdre situation so their relationship I, is no, no relationship seems to stay together so what this makes and... me think what's the point of investing in any relationship Daniel and Daisy's relationship is interesting because it's chalk and cheese Ryan and Daisy's relationship is two people that are kind of shallow and and obsessed with their looks and into being an influencer and um, going online and making their money from that. But they're How not airheads. No, I'm not... I don't care whether they're airheads or not. The similarities are what I just said. Yeah. You know, Dan, um, before Ryan wanted to do his fitness stuff, he was a DJ who tried to do online streaming to get money. He he was a promoter. He had to he had to sell his himself as a as a, you know, as a personality and same with daisy these two people are so similar to one another which makes sense if they're together but but... yeah but fictionally is it interesting to watch two people that very similar Mm. don't know no i i i I think that ryan and daisy in real life probably would make a good couple little bit surprising the whole you know rapey business when daisy tried to drug him was that what it was a couple of years ago i can't remember exactly yeah, but, got yeah they, history. they look good together and yes i get the whole thing about they've had the shared experience with the asset attack i don't know whether but I it reminds me but it's just it's a shame really it reminds me of of um <laughs> this is definitely showing my age here speed with Sandra Bullock. And was it? Who was it? Um, Keanu, Keanu Reeves. Reeves. And there's a joke in Speed 2 where Sandra Bullock's in it, but Keanu Reeves isn't. And one of the characters asks her, what asks Sandra Bullock's character, like, why aren't you together? And she says something along the lines of, like, this relationship's born out of extreme situations, never lasts very long. And this is exactly what it feels like with Ryan and Daisy. Have they not watched Speed 2? <laughs> Surely everyone has. I don't think I have. Um, the other thing I wasn't too fussed about with this story was the whole blackmail angle, because it feels like people are always blackmailing each other on Coronation Street. It's just returning to that same well for the drama. And it's like, oh, God... 
give me the give me money or otherwise I'm going to tell your secret. I, I know, but it also feels a bit like Ryan and Daisy should just be like, oh, well, that's okay, because I just got a windfall. Mm. And also, I'm feeling bad towards Daniel and Daisy. I'm thinking, well, you deserve it. Look what you've done. You've been unfaithful. So then, well, yeah, well done, Lauren. But, but we're supposed to be intrigued. Like, oh, why does Lauren need the money? Who's she giving it to? Yeah, I yeah, don't... I feel like it's her dad or another white supremacist or some kind of unsavoury character from... I think whatever it is, it's going to be it. something oh. that makes me feel sorry for her. She's probably, you know, being... She's probably the being patron of a, an abused kittens charity or something. Well, so I, she needs uh, a grand to make sure that they've got a pouches, enough pouches of whiskers at the shelter. Because yeah. Coronation Street... I feel, it does feel wants to make yeah. want is really really trying hard to make me like Lauren, but then they're making her so despicable. Like she was she was vile towards Ryan when she was blackmailing him, but then at the end of the scene she looks a bit sad. So I go, oh maybe there's more to it than that. There's they're really gonna have to work very hard to make me have any kind of real sympathy for Lauren now. I think they've pushed it too far into that she's a. Yeah, whatever it is that she owes money for is going to be something that drives our sympathy for her character and it just feels so predictable. Yeah, it it does. I'm ready for this story to end. And maybe this is to getting getting there and the the end point is that Daisy and Ryan are together and Daniel is left on his own with Bertie again. I just hope they hurry up and get to it, really. Do you think it's going to be like, I need money, Ryan, give me money, I need a grand... And he gives her a grand and then she says, I need more, I need more. And he's like, look, Lauren, what is it you need? And she says, oh, I wasn't going to say anything, but it's an ITV soap rehabilitation course <laughs> for characters that are, are wrong ends and they want to turn their lives around. <laughs> yeah, there's a guest speaker next week. Becky Granger's coming back. <laughs> right, let's do the Bailey storyline. And I, I don't know whether we're going to get a huge amount of inspiration out of this. This is what I was saying about this week started off well, the the immediate aftermath of the Stephen drama was really gripping to me, but a lot of everything else that happened this week left me feeling a little bit cold. Cold, hard cash. Mm. So on Monday, um, Ronnie is trying to get another investor for his and what is it? What's their business called? Eddie Ron. Eddie Ron. Uh, mm. He can't get an investor, and Ed, Ed tells Dee Dee about this and. Then he asks her about how things are going and she she keeps trying to say all Monday, oh, I love my new boyfriend, but Ed's not paying attention and she gets kind of disillusioned. And Ed finds Dee Dee in the cafe later and then he says, look, sorry, I kept interrupting you when you're trying to tell me about your new boyfriend, but genuinely I'm thrilled telling me all about him. Sounds really great. Is he boring? And Dee's like, yes, he's so boring. He's like the most bland man ever. That's probably what Ed wants in a boyfriend. Like, I, I've, there's been murderers around here. There's been blackmail. There's been acid. Or just all I want for you, my lover. All anybody around here would want for their daughter is for them to have the blandest boyfriend in Weatherfield. And it sounds like you've got him, love. He says, Dee Dee, is he black? And Dee Dee says, he's actually beige. <laughs> in personality. He's the he's like the most beigeest person ever since. I don't know whether... Since Stella, since Stella, Stella Price, Price came. I don't know whether they're going to, you know, people I've seen online saying, oh, you know, is he, is he a dodgy geezer is when he's setting up um, 
Ed and Ron with this meeting next week or something and is, it, is he really trying to scam them but from where I'm looking at the moment Joel does not inspire any excitement from me maybe he is but it will be a mask that drops mm. because at the moment he is just incredibly bland and um, I don't know who plays him, but they're doing a great job. He's very handsome. He's very normal. Doing a great job of being handsome. Well, he's he's handsome and normal. He just doesn't fit into a soap. <laughs> <laughs> so Dee Dee says, let's all have lunch together. And Ed invites Michael later on. And, and Michael's still wringing his hands about the fact that he's ruined his, his life and everyone else's by giving Stephen a quarter of a grand. Also, if I was Michael, I'd be like, if only I'd transferred some of it to myself. <laughs> On Tuesday, um, we get this intrigue because a letter arrives at number three and is intercepted by Ed and it's to Norris Cole from a bank. And um, The way that they were talking about it, like, I can't remember, does Michael say, oh, isn't that guy that used to live there? Like, we've been in our house for two years now and we're still getting posts with the people that used to live here. I would have, I would have thought that receiving letters for Norris is probably a fairly frequent thing and maybe Michael wouldn't say isn't that the man who used to live here it should have been more like oh no it's another letter for Norris pop it in the post box say not known at this address well it's been a while they've been there for longer than two years yeah yeah I know so anyway Ed's Ed's car gets declined at the cafe and Joel's behind him they don't know each other at this point and he does a good Samaritan act and and pays for Ed's um, coffee or whatever he has and Ted doesn't really want him to do this, but but fine, he lets him. And then later on, the Baileys have lunch at the bistro and Ed is very surprised when it turns out Joel is the guy that Dee Dee's dating. And he also gets his nose put out of joint when uh, when he realises that Joel knows that, that his car doesn't work and Joel pays the bill. And Ed kind of like insinuates that uh, he's trying to bail him out and says, oh, we should split next time. And Joel says, don't worry, you can pay next time we get together and it just feels like Ed has got a massive ego here and he's not willing to let Joel bail him out. Well he's been a businessman, you know, he, well, not a businessman, he's, he's, he's been in the trade for many years and to have some young, some guy that he, he probably sees his belly out of nappies come and kind of swoosh in and obviously in a well, much more secure financial of, state than he is, he probably a, got his pride hurt There's here. many layers here isn't there, there's you know, the the kind of like the white saviour thing. There's the I'm middle class and you're just a working class builder. Even though really Ed probably earns a lot more money than Joel would do starting out as a, as a lawyer. Um, there's the idea that I'm the provider for my daughter, not you. There's so many different layers here and it totally makes sense that Ed would kind of get a bit annoyed. But you'd hope that Ed would be a bit more generous than he has been here, but... He's been caught at a vulnerable moment. <laughs> um, they they give each other a look, don't they? Mm. Back at home and Ed's going through Norris's letter when Joel and Dee Dee comes home. And and I love how excited and giddy Dee Dee is that, that Joel's just the saviour of of um, the business. Because she's like, oh, guess what, Dad, Joel, I spoke to Joel about. And obviously uh, Ed's really annoyed that, that Dee Dee's been chatting outside of school about the fact that his business is in trouble to this guy that it's supposed to be Joel that impresses Ed, but instead Ed's just concerned that Joel doesn't feel too badly of him. <laughs> so the fact that Dee Dee's told Joel that the business is in trouble and they need an investor, Ed's not happy about this. No. But Dee Dee's like, Dad, guess what? Joel's so great. He thinks he knows somebody who might be able to invest in the business. And so when... Um, she goes off and makes a cup of tea. 
Ed kind of gives him, he gets this really great scene where he's looking at him over his glasses and he's like, hmm, I'm not skin, all right? And he kind of takes him to task. And, and Joel says, I just wanted you to, to realise that I'm not a freeloader and that I want to take care of your daughter as much as you do, which is very sweet, but very bland. On Wednesday, Ed Ed's posting this letter back to the credit card company pretending to be Norris Cole. And he also sees Michael, who's trying to get his job back from the factory. And um, Ronnie comes back. He's been on holiday with... Debbie and they've had a brilliant time and uh but he's also uh, excited that Joel knows this investor guy um meanwhile we get to see Michael going to the the factory to get his job back and at this point uh what's her name Carl has ditched everyone to go to Spain and left Sarah to to take control and so Michael has to have an audience with her and he's trying to plead for his job and Sarah's like, look, I know everything you've done. And it's like, literally, yeah, I have saved, single-handedly saved this company, like, a few times over, just because I got tricked by a criminal. Sorry I wasn't murdered, because apparently that would have made me a saint. <laughs> but because I was just defrauded, it means I get fired. Um, I I invented Snipper Snapper. Like, him and Sarah were the two people that, that really... Like, it was his idea, and Sarah yeah. helped him. But she still fires him on on um, Carla's say-so and so Michael's went left without a job and um, I think I said before but I can't remember where it was I said this but Michael's the least successful Bailey sibling here in a family of quite high achievers he's got his brother who is was you know a professional football player um, and is now a coach he's got his sister who was a, like an, a lawyer in America and then he's been striving his whole life and all he's got to show for it is the fact he's a single dad living with his parents and I think that the way Ryan Russell portrayed that frustration in the scene back at number three later was brilliant I've, I've always really enjoyed Michael I think as a he's character. fantastic I love Michael um, and, and, and I, he does not I don't think that he gets the credit that he deserves nope. I, the, the bit totally where he was sitting on the sofa and saying that I just want glory to grow up be proud of me I wanted to be independent. Yeah, I'm, I'm fed up of trying so hard, and he was he was crying, and he's he's. I thought he did a really really good job, and that particular scene hit me much more than the Ryan and Daisy speeches did. Well, that's because, because it's the first time we've ever seen yeah him express this. But we and Michael's usually such a chirpy, positive. He's very upbeat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love I love Michael, and this makes sense too because also. I think too, I don't know, I don't think you particularly think of yourself as a creative because you've said this to me before, even though I think you are very creative. Oh, thank you. But you don't think of yourself as a creative. Not really. I, I do. I think of myself as this and it's so much harder to find success as somebody who is a creative person than it is somebody who has like a physical skill like um, his brother or, mm. you know, a, a kind of a, a head for law like his sister does. He's trying to make money from something that's notoriously difficult to make money out of he's talented we've seen that he is even though i don't believe it with his inventions and his nipper snapper snuff stuff he, he's and he he also had that business for before with um what's her face who his girl grace yeah they oh, made yeah. that they oh made yeah that yeah cool. the baby grow stuff didn't he's they? had so many ideas that have taken off but even though he grasps really hard... But he's seeing really that whenever hard, he does, something goes wrong. Something and, goes and wrong. And now it's just... But he's got to the end of the tether and he's snapped. Yeah. 
And, it, and Ed says, look, you'll get there one day. And he says, I can't even afford to, to make it to the end of the month. I'm going to have to ask for my money back from from you guys. Because he invested his nipper snapper money into um, Ed and Ronnie's business. And at this point, Ed's like, oh, no. Ed knows he really needs to keep hold of that cash. At the yard, Ed tells Ronnie about Michael's losing his job and that he wants the investment back. And Ronnie's like, well sorry but he can't we can maybe give him a grand back each but it's gonna have to come out of our own money and he'll have to pay us back so um later on ed tries to give a grand to michael and if you're only good at maths you'll realize that that's a thousand pound less so it looks as though ronnie has put the money in and ed hasn't and michael says thank you but it's not enough to don't even bother bother you just keep it and so ed does and ed keeps this thousand pounds and uh we don't know what happens with it but it looks as though he's going to uh, spirit it away somewhere well is it the question i suppose is is he going to put it on a horse or a football match or something to try and re sort of double it or whatever and then they're going to be able to be out of this financial hole that they're in no that's not going to happen they they had the old cliche soap scene at the end of him going out out of view of, of Ronnie and then getting the envelope out and looking at it and saying, look, audience, look what I've become. Yeah. Um, not I love too Michael. fussed about that story. I wish he was more popular. Found. I think he's wonderful. Yes, me too. Um, and finally, we've got the Lee, Todd and George story, which... Um, came racing to a halt this week, it felt like. There's yet more babyish, childish sniping between Todd and George over breakfast. Todd's making fun of Lee, calling him Lurch, and George ends up getting fed up with the whole thing and leaves. So then they have a scene outside The Undertaker's office later when, oh, George accidentally calls Lee Lurch in front of a client. And um, before you know it, Lee has lurched off. And we're like, oh, is that the end of him then? Is that the last of that? I wish they kept him because I think that these two would have made a funny trio. Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. Um, Todd finds this hilarious when he finds out about it. Um, and on Wednesday, um, George, we see really struggling, working on his own on The Undertakers again. And Todd and Paul are watching him complaining about his back, I think it was, and going, oh, you know, if only we could help this. What should we do to help him? So... Um, Paul, later on, decides to do his Good Samaritan act by dropping it into the conversation with George that Todd recommended Shuttleworths for Shelley's funeral the other week. And George is like, well, I can't believe it. Maybe Todd's a good one after all. And basically, Paul then engineers a meeting at the bistro between Todd and George. They make up, they shake hands, and they're a team again. Oh. Um... Yay, that they're back together. But again, wasn't that patently obvious that that was going to happen? I suppose that what's different is that George just now says, Todd, I want to take you on as my junior partner. I just really, really feel that there was an awful lot of comedy that they could have squeezed out of this storyline by making it run for a little bit longer. I mean, that you we were got... moaning it was obvious and... You didn't want to see. Well, it, it, it was it was very very obvious, but at least they could have put them some fun situations together, and they just, they just really didn't. I mean, what did we have in this story? That Todd gets sniped by uh, what's his face from Rest Easy. Lee comes along, acts a bit dumb, then climbs into a hearse. More and more and more and more and more scenes of Number Eleven, George and Todd hating each other, and then they're back together, and that's literally it. That. 
those two are a real asset. They're a great double act, aren't they, Todd yeah. and George? But they just, it, they just, I, I just felt that they didn't really show very much, and it was very, very much a filler story. But the potential was there for it to be a whole lot more. So when they got back together again, I was like, great. Um, what was the point of that, really? Is that going to even make any difference, the fact that Todd is a junior partner? Or is... Because well, he's still George's underling. This heading, you know, he's going to... I think he's going to have a stake in the business now. I, I, we're supposed to think... I don't know what we're supposed to think, but I, I can't help but think to myself, George, why didn't you do this ages ago? You had the um, ability to make him your partner and you didn't do it. And so all this stuff that he's saying about, oh, I don't care about money, I just care about people, kind of falls a bit hollow when, yeah, okay, maybe you're not going to upsell somebody on a mahogany coffin when a pine one would do, but you, you're not going to pay your workers what they're worth. <laughs> Come but on. He's still not worth that much. I mean, he hasn't done his exams or anything yet, has he? I know, but... Just because he's family, it doesn't mean that he's automatically owed a massive pay rise. I know. I, I just, I'm on the side of, of the workers here and, you know... That's what, um, that's what he he is, and George is the business owner. He's, I don't know how much profit he must be getting some profits out of this. Yeah, sure. And he'd rather put it in his pockets and give it to, <laughs> to his protege. You're gonna find out that George that George has got some secret gambling addiction as well now. You're gonna find out also that this big fancy house, you know, Glenda's in there at the moment. What's he charging her for rent? <laughs> but he's charging her over the odds because he's had to kick out like five Ukrainian refugee families that he's been crammed in there. Mm. They're all gonna try to go over to um Daniel's place. To find yeah. out that Daisy's already sold it. <laughs> anyway, you know, sorry, but he's got he he's got a massive house. He's he's successful. He's squatting at Eileen's twenty four seven and refusing to pay Todd the the same amount that Rest Easy is. Give mm. me a break. You're not the hard off, are you? Just just rushed. Is right. what I say about Tell that one. Tell me what you thought it, this week. <sighs> Not amazing. It started off and I was... I, I loved Monday's episodes. That was absolutely a banging one. But there were just too many scenes on Tuesday and Wednesday's episode where I felt that I was supposed to be feeling something and it just left me feeling a little bit empty. I wanted to see more of the fallout of, of Stephen's death. I didn't need more scenes of Ryan and Daisy being angsty and then feeling guilty about shagging each other. Didn't need to see scenes of... George and Todd bickering at each other and then having an eventual makeup. Um, and, of... and so what that Ed's got no money. I yeah, I just There are a yeah. lot of things that happened where it felt as though Coronation Street should have known better than to think they were they were building tension. Mm. By Friday evening we knew Wednesday Tim... evening. Oh, By Friday, Friday evening we knew that Tim wasn't dead. So why did Coronation Street think they could cause drama and suspense by dragging out Tim rescuing himself on Monday. I don't know, but it didn't work because we all have seen soaps a million times before. There was no twist here. There was no final kill, so okay. That that's one of my biggest things about the the final the, the sort of handling of of Steven's storyline. I think I love the idea of um you know will they will they kind of put peter in prison or not i don't think that anyone i don't know why they sent carla to spain 
I understand if Ali King needed time off, but goodness me, could we not have thought of a different way of writing that in? I don't know. But I guess whatever they said, we would have moaned about. So they can't win that. <laughs> um, <sighs> All they needed, really, for this thought, for this week to have made me completely even even less interested in it would be to have the Stu storyline. <laughs> I know, Michael, you've got that to look forward to. It's probably going to come back next I know. week. At least I like the characters of Ryan and, and Daisy. At least I like Ed. I like George and Todd, but they just I'm not didn't, gonna complain I didn't feel they were doing enough interesting about the Bailey stuff because I like the I like the Baileys. I I know lots of people don't don't like that storyline, but I thought that was decent. I don't like Ryan and Daisy getting together, and I don't like I, I thought the whole the prison stuff was silly. I don't think teenage boys care about empathy, and I don't want to stigmatize them. But okay, I am. And Daisy, I don't believe for a minute she'd be left alone with a, with a room full of teenage criminals without being molested in some way. But that certainly happened in the show. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I think I'm going to have to give this week about uh, three and a half. And I'm going to give it half, three yeah. and a half um, serial killer cast off. <laughs> okay. My character of the week, I'm trying to... I know, I've just been thinking about I think that. I'm going to give it re- to Michael because I really like him. I want to champion Michael. I know it wasn't the major character, um, but so I think what? Maybe I, maybe Michael was my character of the week this week, and he certainly wasn't because a main really, character. Because he really, honestly, of all the people that have been left behind in the wake of Stephen's reign of terror, he seems to be the most overlooked victim. Because he really was a victim of Stephen's crimes, but he's being treated like he was a criminal. Yeah. And I wish we got more of a focus on him talking about how he was duped and he feels stupid. But instead, we've got him talking about how he feels unsuccessful, which totally, totally understandable and, and sadly relatable, but um, not necessarily linked to Stephen necessarily. <laughs> we He could have felt that way from anything he's done. <laughs> I'm, I will also give it to Michael. Ooh. So thank you for putting that idea in my head. And I'm going to score this week's Coronation Street three not quite identical oh, hairstyles no. out of five. Yeah, Sorry. it was it, it wasn't that great a week for me, although it clearly had some very fun and exciting stuff in at least one of the storylines. So um, that is it for this week's Street Talk. Let's move on to the news. <laughs> Okay, um, uh, cabin time now. So um, I, I don't know. I didn't really feel that was a brilliant street talk, but the, I suppose it all depends on the quality of the episodes of Korea, doesn't it? But um, we have got a good cabin for you today, and I wanted to start off by talking about the Todd Boyce event that ran at the Coronation Street Experience last week. We were very, very jealous that we didn't get to go ourselves, um, but we were able to track down somebody who did go along and um, see the Q&A and watch last Friday's episode in the presence of Todd Boyce. And it was Mr. <laughs> yeah. Sophie. So um, rather than just us reading out what she had to say about it, I decided to invite her on the show. And a couple of days ago, we had a bit of a chat. And I think I'm just going to put it in now. And so um, it, it, this is what this is all. This, this is me talking to Sophie about her experience of last week. So I'm joined by Sophie now, who was really lucky to be able to go along to the Todd Voice Voice event last week at the uh, at the Coronation Street Experience. Sophie, welcome to the podcast. What, what were you expecting from Stephen's final episode before you went into it? Well, I wasn't expecting how it how it went down. <laughs> I, I wasn't expecting him to die. Were you not? Um, no, I thought he might have got arrested 
So uh, what what was Todd like then? Did he did he like come and say hello to the whole gang of you once you're all in there ready to go? Yeah, he did. He he came in after seven, mm-hmm. and he sort of greeted up and said hello, and it was really nice. It was all yeah. Yeah, was was he like how you'd expected him to be? Um, yeah, I would say so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so what happened next? So you so you're all sitting down. He came in, said hello. Was was that when you watched the episode? Yeah, he he said hello first and spoke a little bit about his real life. And we got to see some old pictures of him. And he sold up some clips, like his first appearance, him kissing Alma and his little date with Deidre. Really? And then, yeah. And then then, then they showed us the real episode a little bit before everybody else in the country. Lucky you. It sounds like they, yeah. they made a real event of it then. It was good they had all the old clips and everything. Yeah, it was. And we got some popcorn in the Stephen box with the Stephen mask. Yeah, I and saw everything. that. I'm jealous yeah. of that with the Stephen Reed mask and everything. So have you, have you, did you, yeah. have you got to take that home? Have you, uh, you got it with yeah. you? Souvenir? Yeah, I do. Yeah, we got to take them all home and we got an autograph of him as well. Nice. What was the... um? What was like the general atmosphere in the room like when when the episode was on? Was everyone like really excited together? Did it help being in the room and watching it as a as a group? Do you think? Yeah, I think it did. I mean, there were a lot of laughter, especially during the David scene and the Platt scene. But <laughs> people were even laughing during the scene where Stephen was saying why you did it, and I was thinking, why are you all laughing? Could you yeah. see? Could you see Todd as you were watching it? Like, could you see his reaction, or was he behind you? Um, yeah, we could see him. Yeah, he was at the front with Sharon on the table, watching it and reacting. Yeah, what what was his reaction to seeing it? I think he was a bit confused to why we were why people were laughing at the scene where he was <laughs> confessing to everybody. But other than that, I think he expected there to be some laughs because it is the platform. Of course, cool. yeah. yeah. So did, did did you like the episode? Um, I like I like some of it. Um, I like the plot bits especially, mm. but I didn't really. I don't really care for the Tim bits or the Shani bits. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, they had to have Tim make an appearance right at the end, didn't they? Oh no! <laughs> you, yeah, you, no. Said, you said earlier that you weren't expecting him to die. Um, what, no. did, what was your reaction? Do you remember how you reacted when he got hit oh. by that car? Oh, I was really sad. I was like, oh no. I felt <laughs> like Audrey. I felt really sad. <laughs> yeah. was, was there like a, a, a gasp in the room or did people like applaud or what happened at that moment? Oh, I think there were mixed reactions. Some people applauded and some people were a bit like, oh my gosh, he's actually dead. <laughs> and I didn't expect Peter to be the one to do it either. No, no, he came out of nowhere a bit, doesn't he? Yeah. So, so what happened after the episode had aired then? What was next? Well, then that's what they quest, the answer on question part. Mm-hmm. Because you had to send in a question before the event oh. started. Yeah. So you would type your name and where you're from. And then he would answer the question. Sometimes they might ask. So you'd put your hand up, you got that in the room, you asked the question. Yeah. So I yeah. um Sharon Marshall was involved, wasn't she? Was she like comparing yeah. that bit of it? How how what, what how was she? She was good. She 
So you basically read out all the questions to Todd and she asked some extra questions to mm. him as well. What was what was your question? Oh, my question was, like, how did it compare playing him now to when you had played him in the 1990s? Oh, nice. And what did he say? He said it was very different because in the 90s, it was, he was only a small smaller part. Mm. And then back then he was up playing a nice Canadian, he sort of happens to be Audrey's son. Yeah. And then he comes back and he's got this big villain role, which is totally different to the <laughs> episode. Were there any other um, interesting questions that you remember that you had, a, had a good answers to? Um. Well, I remember somebody asked him, you know, who, who he would have liked to have played, has he could play anyone else? And yeah. he said he would have liked to have played Mike Baldwin. Oh, yeah. After about doing one else. Yeah, <laughs> that's quite a good question. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So, was that it after the questions? Did you have to? Was that we kind of have to leave after that? Um, that I think he went round and took a few photographs of people and greeted some more people. Yeah. But then after that, we basically also went downstairs and went back home. Yeah. What sort of time was that then? I'd say about about half nine. Yeah. But give or take. Yeah. yeah. You got a good few hours out of it then, didn't you? When 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 did it start? Yeah. Was it six, seven? Well, we, we were allowed to go in from five o'clock. Oh, but it right. actually started at half six officially. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that was great. That sounded like they put on a really good uh, show for you. And are you glad you went? You glad you were there to snap up your ticket? Yeah. I, I wouldn't have gone for any other character. It was up because I thought, oh, I do like villains, so I thought I've got to go to this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So overall then, what was your best bit of the evening? Oh, I would say my best bit was probably watching the episode with Todd and, and then speaking to him at the questionnaire. That was definitely the best bit. Yeah, yeah. But you you, you reckon that you might not do another one unless there was another villain that they did it for? Yeah, I... There's so, like a few characters I think, oh, I like them. I might, wouldn't mind doing it with them, but probably villains. Yeah. <laughs> they are my favourites. I mean, I suppose even two hours is quite a, quite a journey, isn't it? If it's a character that it you're is. not too fond of. Well, it's yeah. all right. if you don't go for the ticket, that gives me more of a chance of getting one myself <laughs> the next time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, so, Sophie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. That was really brilliant hearing about that. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit jealous, but maybe I'll get my chance next time. And the same with some of our other listeners <laughs> as well. So thank you. Oh, that's okay. Thank you very much. There we go. That was nice, wasn't it? Thank, Thank you very you. much. Thank you. That in. was really fun. I'm not jealous at all. <laughs> who would who, uh, who would you most like to go and watch an episode along with? Well, it depends on whether it's going to be the final episode. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Because so there's lots like some of our favorite my favourite ones. I wouldn't want to go. No. Well, it's Tim. It's- <laughs> yeah, you yeah. And, and then just make sure that so Joe Jackson is <laughs> you really going right <laughs> well, no no I like Joe I like Joe and I like Tim well, it's, it's only a joke I was speaking a bit longer with Sophie and, and, and that she did say that they were making noises about this not being the 
the last time that an event like this was going to take place. So, um, Very it, promising. It, it, the, the fact that they sold out the ticket so quickly and it was clearly a great evening. Well, yeah, well, she said she tried to get a VIP ticket, but they were sold out by the time she got there. So yeah, you yeah. sold a lot more bottles of Prosecco, couldn't you, ITV, the experience, no, Coronet Street, the experience. Yes, so um, definitely look out for those again, listeners, if you uh, liked what you heard from that and you want to go along. Um, keep your eyes peeled because you don't know when the next one's going to be. But, I mean, the Star Tours have been a huge success, so there's no reason to think that it's going to be, you know, months and months and months away before they do this one again. Who Tell knows, you what. Maybe there will even be another one before the end of the year. Well, they could do a Christmas one. Yeah. I bet they New could. Year's they Eve could, actually. One? They could. <laughs> For all the loners that don't want to go to a party yeah, or well, haven't been invited yeah, like no, we may, normally Maybe, maybe Christmas invited. Day, people don't want to get involved in family dramas and fallouts over the Christmas lunch and everything. Aww. So let's go along to the Coronation Street experience and watch um, Christmas Day episode of Coronation Street along with Charlotte else. Jordan. Yeah, she doesn't have a home to go to, apparently. Yeah, so thank you, Sophie, and um, I'm glad you had a lovely time. Now, while you were all busy doing that... Oh, we've been segueing in different ways. Barbara Knox, she got a rose named after and got a whole hour-long programme, except she had to put up with What's-His-Face... Malcolm Ebden. No. <laughs> <Michael>. Bradley Walsh. <laughs> Bradley Walsh. Yeah, we watched it on Saturday in the end, didn't we? The Only joking, Bradders, but he was um, asking her... He was he was the presenter of the show and he's like, so, you enjoy yourself, Barbara? She's like, oh, that's lovely, thank you. It, I really, really enjoyed the show. It did kind of come across a little bit like this guy that's taking his old grandma out for a, <laughs> for a trip his, around Taking his the grandma beach. that he's not met before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was really lovely. She she had a lot of reminiscing and he did interrupt her a few times and I didn't get I don't to hear what... Watch it, Bradley. Well, I didn't know what he was going to... I was waiting to hear a response but we never got to hear it. Mm. But he, you know, it culminated in a very nice scene. I won't spoil it for you, but it was very I, I don't think we need to worry about spoiling it. I think we, we're reviewing the programme here. I thought the stuff at the, the, the... It was at the Tower Ballroom, wasn't it? They ended up in, in, in Blackpool. And it was really, really sweet, um, some of the conversations that they were having. And she was talking about... Um, her family coming there when she was young and that, that lend me thine ear quote that's above the ballroom. I, I, I um, yeah, I was, I was more moved than I thought I would be. And, uh, but I tell you what, the, the, my favourite bit of the whole lot was the Thelma Barlow appearance. I know, I'm so, it was so lovely to watch those two get together and toodle around the, the flower show and Thelma Barlow was thinking, where's my bloody rose? Why don't I get one named after me? I could have been gracious lady, but never mind. I thought it was great. I loved it. It was brilliant. The, yeah, having um, having Thelma turn up and, and it, the idea was, seemed to be that they hadn't seen each other for a long time. They've still been, still been friends apparently since, but Thelma kind of sprung up on, on Barbara, didn't she? Some of the surprises I was thinking, was, she, was that really a surprise for her? Did she know that was going to happen? But um, watching the two of them together, and they just seemed to get on so well. And they were looking through photo albums of them together, and from from days gone by, it was just really, really lovely nostalgia trip. Malcolm Hebden did turn up, didn't they? I didn't think that bit was quite so good. They they didn't seem to spend as much time together. I don't know. They didn't have much to say together because it's not been long since they worked with each other. But yeah, the the Thelma Barlow and the Tower Ballroom were definitely my favourite bits, and uh, they were the talking heads. Uh, but, there were a couple of talking heads there that they picked that, I, that didn't necessarily fit, but um, Sally Ann Matthews was obviously there, and she, oh, that bit at the end when they were doing their final summing up of, oh, I just want to say one thing to 
to, to Barbara and Sally Ann Matthews was getting all teary about oh, it. Oh, she was wonderful. She? I loved that. She was so lovely. Yeah. Yeah, there was, I liked the talking heads. They were, they were very, um, it just seemed like everyone really loves her. And I know that we have little running jokes on here about her being a diva, but she, if she isn't, she definitely deserves to be because she's like the longest running female cast member. Well, she is now, yeah. So good for her. Well done. And you deserve, definitely deserve really to be Really worth a watch. If you like these kind yeah. of programmes, this was another good one. And it did make me think, like, there's, there's not many of the really, really long running cast that haven't had a programme like this. Like, there's been an Audrey programme, there's been a Gale programme, there's been a Ken programme, or, you know, about the actors. So I don't know, are we going to, you know, now we're in the 40th anniversary of Kevin's first appearance, are we going to have oh, a... Yeah. We're going to have a Mike Lavelle reminisce. Oh, I don't he know. He kind of deserves one, but they, they generally are tending them, have tended to always give them to the leading ladies of Coronation Street, haven't they? Wow. Well, and, 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 and William Roach, Yeah, William Roach. Um, I can't remember whether Sally Dinevers had one or not, but I, I, I do love them. They they do them once every couple of years, so I'm looking forward to whatever they decide to do next. Watch it if you can, I'm sure it's available I online. wish that they had branded them the under sort of a a unifying umbrella name. Well, when, when you go two, three years in between each one, well, it probably you know, makes it harder. They really should do them more regularly. Anyway, we can't dwell on that. Let's move on. Because we've also got another leading lady, Sue Cleaver. She's going to play Mother Superior in Sister Act the Musical. Amazing. Um, this is fantastic. She's starting on the 14th of March. She's going to be playing at the Theatre Royal in Brighton. She's also going to do Manchester, Cork, Belfast, Glasgow, York and Birmingham on the 18th of May. I hope that she's going to do something a bit closer to home. But She's not. I, I think I've went, I've had to look is, on the Sister Act website. Like, Brighton if she is was, the closest. If she was coming to the Mayflower, we would be right there. Love Sister Act. Who doesn't like Sister Act? And, and we were prime Sister Act viewers because oh that was gosh. that was part of our childhood, wasn't it? <laughs> Sister Act, like Sister Act and, and Home Alone and Beethoven and all those films those coming out around the Those were all just brilliant. Yeah, and um, having Sue as Mother Superior, really interesting because I kind of picture Sue, Mother Superior as being a bit of an older character. I think they've had Leslie Ash playing I'm sure that Sue recently, Cleaver would thank you for I think, saying that she's I think too that young she's to be Mother Superior. Do an excellent job of this. It doesn't mean that she's leaving Coronation Street. Don't worry, we are still going to have Eileen to look forward to but it seems to be a bit of a more regular thing now that coronation street cast members are being allowed to maybe they heard try my different complaints. things because really it's it's one of the things that's a bit of a drawback if you join the cast to, to think that you're going to be stopped from doing other stuff and they definitely let some people do things so it makes sense that mm. you know people say oh, hang on i want to and go and do X, Y, and Z. I, I think the, the way that they're going at the moment, and and there are cast members who do go. Could have months, been Mother Superior. Months without making much of an appearance. And I was having a brief <laughs> look down, because I don't want to spoil my end of year guessing game, but I was having a little look down Michael, at the number of appearances in 2023. It. No, I was just looking yes. at the bottom end. Yes, And, and I always on. guess the top end. <laughs> Toya was quite low down, I oh, have to dear. say. But Eileen as well. Not a whole lot of appearances this year. So, yeah, why not let, let them go out and try something else? Because they all, they all love... Well, some Treading of, some boards. Of them but, uh, yeah, well, I know that, that she Sue she used to be. It, she she loves pl- being uh, doing theatre. She and she says I th- I'm thrilled to be stepping into the habit and joining the incredible company of Sister Act on tour. It's been over thirty years since I've been on stage, but theatre has always been my first love. A chance to take on a role like this feels like heaven. I would really. I mean, they're doing Manchester. Maybe we get to go and see that. I, don't, I can't oh, remember. Oh, Manchester. Do you know what date? No, I, it, because it, this the, um, the information is out there. 
Brighton one is midweek, so yeah, possibly not, not possible something we can go to. to. Anyway, good luck, Sue. Now, speaking of Corrie people stepping out and doing other things, one thing that um, you can't do when you're in Corrie, or that nobody has done so far, is Strictly, and Ellie is still hanging on in there in Strictly Come Dancing on Saturday nights on BBC One. She uh, got, got 28 points last week, um, and yeah, she's... she's, she's She's doing all right, apparently. I, I haven't written down what she danced till. I've not seen any of it. But cha, cha, cha. We, we are still behind you, even if we're not watching you or voting for you. We're talking about you, Ellie. And also, I'm just going to add in as a little extra, it's nice to hear that she has become the uh, youngest patron of the Willowwood Hospice as well, which we've talked about a few times on the podcast before. This is one that um, was very close to Roy Barraclough's heart, who played um, Alec Gilroy. Yes. Um, so, yeah, it's lovely to, yes. to know that she's doing all that as well. Final bit of news, um, because, well, we do have a cabin extra later on today, just FYI. But Sofa Cinema Club, Gemma, did you see this today? It's rebranding. So Sofa Cinema Club has been going, what, three, four, five years? I've lost track now. But this is Colson Smith, Jack P. Shepard, Ben Price, so Craig, David and Nick from Coronation Street have had their own cinema podcast where they've been reviewing films. The, the kind of the shtick is that Colson Smith didn't have much of um, a great film knowledge. Well, it's basically a a guy that's got a very different taste in cinema to the two aficionados discussing various... They get to pick one each every every week, but they're not doing that anymore. They've They've rebranded it. They're calling it On the Sofa. They're just going to have a little bit of a chit-chat. And I will say, good idea, because we did tune into an episode. I mean, Michael listens to it more than I do. No, I very rarely listen to it. Exactly. (laughs) But there was a film film I wanted to... I I had heard of that I was like, I wonder what they think about that. So we we listened to an episode and I think it was an hour long. I think they they talked about the film for about 10 minutes, literally. And that was it. So they do have really good banter. Their strength is the banter and the chat. And that's really good. So I'm glad. I mean, good job, guys. Uh, It's really fun. I don't think they need our... Clearly, support. the three of them get on well together, and they've got a great. They don't um, need us to promote them, but the, vice versa would be really together. nice. Just saying. But so, but yeah, if I tune in to listen to a film <laughs> and I hear them talking about what they've been up to this week, but you know, we're we're just as bad. We take a while to get onto the Coronation Street stuff. I know, but I think I think uh, once you get to the four hour mark, you're definitely done at least seventy five percent courage. There will still be um, film and, and TV talk and things, and everything, but um, yeah, they're, they're taking away the 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 cinema being the the main thrust That means of it, there's I a suppose. gap in the market, Michael. Oh, yeah. Well, I've also got a very bad taste in film, so maybe yeah. we could jump into the whole thing. Call it his there. and hers. <laughs> okay, so there you go. So on the sofa, if you if you like listening to three Corrie guys talking about everything and nothing all at once. Do you remember when Dean Fagan and Tisha Merry I had do. their podcast? Did that just stop? Well, I guess it did. It's very hard to keep up with it's... doing a weekly podcast. Sometimes. <laughs> Twice a week. <laughs> Usually twice a week. I don't know how we do it. Anyway, we there is do, a cabin I can extra tell you how. Later. We don't do anything else. We do some things. No. We do some things. No. Um, anyway, feedback time. Time for Move feedback. on because I've got stuff to do later. <laughs> oh yeah, Gemma's got to watch another film. I do, Speaking I've got to films, watch a film. <laughs> before you go to bed It's quarter to midnight. <laughs> okay, let's go to the feedback. <laughs> So it's been another great week for feedback this week. Thank you everybody who's got in touch with us to tell us your thoughts about the Stephen Reed finale last week. Before we get to those, of course, our average score on the Facebook group. 4.34, Gemma. Oh, it was very, a popular week. 
people enjoyed it. There was there were a couple of low scores, but on the whole, there was an awful lot of uh, four and a half and fives. Um, Martin gave it four snotty noses out of five, and I I had to put this one in there because we didn't even mention. Do you remember the yep. the, the snotty Stephen scene? Yep. That was that's that's proper acting. That is, and if I don't, don't know what drink, happened to that. At least a drop of snot when you're crying on screen. Yeah. What? What are you doing? Yeah. Um, Judith said she gave it five goldfish for David out of five, but I think it was Michael who Stephen said give that boy a goldfish, which was great. Although <laughs> it did remind me a little bit of the Bet Lynch give that girl a coconut. Scene. I think it was an homage. Um, and Stephanie was my pick of the week with a four out of five free LSD trips in reference to Shona's brilliant I line. genuinely cannot believe that Coronation Street, the experience, did not provide that as one of the VIP treatments. <laughs> yeah, do you think there was a, a top, top tier of the, uh, think, the top voice event where you got If you paid LSD? £500, they were like, we can't give you LSD, but we will turn the lights out and Todd Boyce will spin you on an office chair <laughs> for five minutes. <laughs> would, would you pay that, yes! to get your hands on where's with the, Todd Boyce? Where's our savings account? I think we've probably got it just about enough. Right, I'm going to read out the first email today, and this is from Laura, who says, Well, Friday did not disappoint. Lots more twists and peril. Ultimately, I agree Stephen getting run over may be a bit of a letdown, but the Peter storyline could be interesting if they give it proper time. And yes, you found a few plot holes in your podcast. That's never. the week. Make it sound like we ruined it on purpose. (laughs) The week the Platts seem even less bothered about all the awful revelations. In fact, everyone does. Never mind flashbacks. If I lived there, I'd be hiding under the bed and not leaving the house. Made me laugh. I'm still confused how Tim didn't die, though, and how he got out of the boot. What did he have? A sonic screwdriver? A biro? Is that even possible in real life? Yeah, it's fine. They, uh, yeah. Uh, he did have a... He had a... Uh, he had a special kit. boot release mechanism, didn't they? Oh. Anyway, thank you, Laura. I'm glad that you enjoyed the week. Um, Gemma, we got a lengthy and verbose message from oh, Morgan. Morgan, it's been Morgan. a while. It's been a long time since Morgan had something to say on the podcast. So thank you for it's messaging since, us. Morgan. Since he put all his... Um, effects in a little stick a little bundle on a stick and went off to university to ply his trade and learn how to take over the world yeah don't forget your old pals here at conversation street when you become famous what's morgan Morgan says so farewell then uncle stephen bouncing gloriously off the top of peter's bonnet i'm not altogether convinced that the hit would have been would have sent stephen ricocheting so hilariously let alone killed him instantly I do agree with Gemma, though. It's time that Corey serial killer started facing justice on this earthly plane rather than the next. Well, how come it's agreeing with Gemma? We both think that's No, uh, it's Morgan. me. It's, I came up with the idea. <laughs> Amadale's most recent serial killer was tried and imprisoned for her murders, and realistically, it would have been a fitting end for Uncle Stephen to see him face the same fate. A man who is built on face and presence, and to see that unpicked and unwound in the courtroom would have been a much more suitable to see him go out that way. 100% agree. The fact that Stephen went out without claiming a fourth life means that it's a concerning bit of writing that major characters on the show have such an impenetrable plot armour, they are serial killer resistant. (laughs) It's true. Consider Phelan as an example. He who killed four people, but only actually one was written for him to kill. Mm. Interesting. That is, yeah. Meanwhile, Stephen can't even bring himself to kill off Elaine, the tainted weather of the flock. Oh, I can't even read this. What does that mean? (laughs) I don't know, Morgan. It's too smart for me. 
the tainted weather of the flock met us for death. He spent 18 months umming and ahhing about Jeff and then was practically begging to get killed off earlier this year. It's a shame that Corrie doesn't seem to have the confidence or authority to kill off one of its more main characters and I think it's in part it's a wider indictment of Stephen as a fairly toothless serial killer that there was little genuine threat when pushed came to shove or bottle came to neck <laughs> or whatever well i mean elaine was barely even a main character that's a thing that's what made her seem like you know a, it could be her i know it's not they, making a huge they splash, need to there needs to be some bigger than Leo. incredibly convincing plot reason as to why elaine didn't get killed off honestly cory you've got to prove elaine's purpose now mm. Because otherwise, I, I'm going to say it was a massive mi- missed opportunity. It, it feels like maybe she is going. The way that they were talking. But why this just week. have her go? Sorry, we're, we're not talking about this now. Morgan says <laughs> the second indictment. This means for the show is that now Elaine is just going to stick around, and now Tim, who I say I'm glad has survived, has got a wife who mothers him and a mother who just sort of hangs around like a spectre at the feast. Anyway, as I said on the FB group, it seems to me that Uncle Stephen lived his life like a candle in the wind. He was never, ever, ever going to phone it in. Just like candles. <laughs> candles don't do that. Last week, it's three and a half catapulted Canadians and the character of the week. Well, the final time, Godspeed, sweet prince, is Stephen. Lovely. I do love a nice Morgan email. Thank you very much for that. It's a blast from the past. Yeah. Um, Jake emailed us last week and we didn't have time to fit him into last week's feedback section, but I I promised we'd get him in this week, so here he is. Now, he's not so keen on the whole serial killer story. He said, firstly, he'd like to apologise for not being in touch for a while. He'd taken a break from Corey over the past few months because I realised I just wasn't enjoying it. I still keep up to date with what's going on and will watch if the characters I like are in the episodes, but one story in particular made me switch off the Stephen story so here we go we're getting another side of it now Gemma from what I've heard he may have met his comeuppance by the time you read this out yes but I thought in advance I'd give my take on why I find this story so weak but also how some of it can be saved right at the death literally and if my ending turns out to be true I'll be quite content first of all it's not that I don't like dark serial killer (laughs) storylines I like to see them done well For me, this has been all about plot and very little characterisation. The story has been that Stephen is a bad man who does bad things, including the deaths of three characters nobody cares less about. Stephen just isn't fleshed out as a character. We've seen Stephen the criminal. Now remember some of the other serial killers who had their own unique arcs. Pat Phelan, the Catholic turned con man who genuinely loved Nicola and Eileen. John Stake, the teacher whose relationship somehow survived an affair with a student. Richard Hillman. Can I the, just, you, can't, you can't really have an affair with a student. I think it's... Probably a bit bad. It's not called that now. No. Um, but I don't want to nitpick Jake. Sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry. <laughs> Richard Hillman, the cunning thief and fraudster, haunted by guilt over killing his neighbour and giving her a eulogy. <laughs> Stephen is just missing something. This is perhaps mostly because his interaction with his own family has decreased significantly. He only really has a connection with Sarah. Audrey and Gail should have been right at the heart of the storyline, mm. as should David and Nick and so on, but they've been gradually phased out very odd that's I, I completely agree with that I, I totally agree with that that's a very he, good point that he, he, had escaped what, me what what Jake was saying about um the other serial killers having just that little bit more backstory and, and motivation and, and fleshing out I think I, I would agree, I agree with that this is why it should have been a longer storyline I mean if you think about it Stephen's murder murder spree is is serial killer storyline has been 
just about a year, a year and a month. I mean, but Richard Hillman wasn't that much longer, I'm going to say. Yeah, right. And some of the other big villain storylines, like John Lindsay, were, were even less. I mean, but Steve's... he came... So it was announced in March that Stephen was coming back, and I can't quite recall when he did come back last year. It was August, I think. So August. So oh, no, really... was it June? June. Uh... <sighs> what? I can't I let this slander continue. Um, you, you, you just can't give in. You can't. You can't. You can't let it go. Um, I, I think that they tried to give him a little bit more personality and backstory and motivation in those final scenes when he was talking to Jenny about wanting to this to do it speaking. for his mum. This is me. Um, but maybe if they'd have made a little bit more of that. Let's let, let's to let it, Jake it carry on. I can't keep interrupting him. Go on, Jake. It's fine. He doesn't want to just Go read on, his email out and Go on, forget Jake. it. Um, anyway, but I also agree about the plats being phased out of it. Yeah, Sarah was really the only plat of note in this story, I would say. And then again, is that they you like, saying that? this is me again. Sorry. You've got to make it clear when you're saying it and when Jake's Sorry, saying should it. Sorry, should I give him a funny voice? Make him French. <laughs> um, so, um, but again, they, they put the plats in Stephen's last episode. And yes, I would agree that maybe they seemed a little bit shoehorned in and realised, oh, I suppose we better have Gail here. The fact that the, the, the plats were such a hilarious addition to the final week just kind of made it sound that they weren't in it more... The cat's playing with a teaspoon in a box. Sorry, everyone. She's Abby, biting you're making it. noise. Oh, my God. <laughs> she's, she's really trying to get that spoon out of the box. Yeah, she's it's a game it. we play called Spoony Box Box. <laughs> anyway, I don't know what right. I'm saying. Let me, let me get back to, let me get back to the on, email. So, now oh Gemma's pushing her bottle aside. <laughs> anyway, it locked, lacked shock value, says Jake. Killing Leo was quite a shock. But after that, Teddy and Rufus just seemed so predictable. Yeah, that that is very true, actually. We were talking about who's it going to be next, and Teddy and Rufus were on the hit list, weren't they? I think it, a, a shock mystery death would have worked well. Um, other things that Jake says, just for Gemma's benefit there, uh, other things that seem so contrived, like Carla not being taken for bloods when he was drugging her. The other thing I so loved about Phelan and Hillman was that they seemed to interact with all the other characters, so every crime they committed had a large ripple effect. But Stephen's crimes have had much more isolated impact. To conclude, it's daft, but not funny. Contrived, which makes it predictable. Uninteresting and lacking a lot of layers. Very poorly written and developed. I I, I wouldn't criticise it that much. I still enjoyed Jake, the storyline. Jake can line. say what he likes. I'm glad yeah, that no, he can. Was this an email that was sent to us? Yeah, yeah not yeah, just yeah, that yeah. you picked. I really appreciate Jake um, poking his head up the parapet here to come out with something that is just... To, couldn't be more opposite to what we've been saying the whole time on the show and um everything that you're saying jake you've you've argued very well and articulately and given all your examples and this is what i you know i love i love this is why i love the feedback section so people can write in you don't have to agree with us it's this is part of the being a cory fan that we all have different opinions i definitely agree with an awful lot of this yeah definitely the, 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 totally the right unpredictability of rufus's death for example and teddy as well um, I just decided, you know, early on in the year, I'm going to not ask too many questions and just enjoy it and go along for the ride. Um, because I could see that there were bits that could have been developed a little bit more. And yeah, it's a shame that the wider community wasn't involved. And I was trying really hard not to compare it to the Feeland storyline, partly because the Feeland storyline was, you know, one of my favourites in the past 10 years or so. Um, but yeah, so it's a shame that, that, you, that that's been your... 
Yeah, overall thought of it, Jake. I, I will I will continue. How can it be saved, Jake says. Well, not saved, but some of the show's reputation could be reclaimed. I think there's only one exit for Stephen. Obviously, this came before his death. Uh, that would make the whole storyline almost worth it. Stephen is killed in a big whodunit story that runs until at least the end of the year. Why this? Because it will have a huge impact on characters' lives. More characters will become involved when they start getting suspicious of family and friends. It will get fans talking and theorising and give the show some much needed hype and attention. This is really, really interesting, Jake. Jake's you're suggesting, trying to put his finger on You're, you're suggesting a whodunit storyline which will get the wider community involved and get fans talking about it. And although they haven't done a whodunit story, Coronation this Street has like a, spread out now, this story. It's having that rider ripple effect. It's a diddy done it. It's getting people... Um, talking about it. So I'm interested, Jake, to know, like, are you happy yeah, you, with how this is going, even if it's not exactly how you said? I think Jake's right here. I think he, he totally called it and that the, if it wasn't a whodunit, uh, did he done it is, is almost as good. Did he done it and, on purpose? And the things that, that Jake is saying about why a whodunit would be good are similar to why I think the Peter storyline is good. Mm-hmm. Um, he continues, personally, now this is were it to be a whodunit, I think Sarah would be the best culprit as she's been a bit dull lately, so it'd give us something to do. Plus, Stephen's betrayal gives her plenty of motive. Any other exit, such as an arrest or fleeing justice or a death where we know how it happened, will lead to just a few characters crying for a bit. Maybe Jenny, Audrey, and then in a few weeks it'll all be forgotten. Some might say that him killing someone else before getting caught would be a good twist, but I wouldn't want to permanently lose a long-term character like Tim, Jenny, Sarah, Carla or Peter just for the sake of a, just for the sake of it. See, this is again where I differed. I, I would I would pretty much sacrifice almost anyone. any character. I, I I was so hyped up for it towards the end. I would have let anyone go, almost fault. anyone. I don't want to sound rude, but if more characters have been involved in this story, they could have used it as an opportunity to get rid of some dead wood while still having a ripple effect on their loved ones. For example, I didn't care much for Luke Britton, but his murder yes. came as a shock and had a big impact on You're the right, street. You're right, Jake. Instead, the show seems to have created minor characters just for the sake of Stephen bumping them off. Yeah. Okay, you could say the same for John Stape, but as I've already said, there was a lot more going on in his story. So that's what I think needs to happen. Oh dear, Michael. Regardless, I'll be watching Abby's... this week to see the come. Has she just taken no, the spoon No, I'm just going to say, Abby's t- taken the spoon into the hallway and she just almost ate off oh Alma's head. <laughs> we do have a little model of Alma. I didn't see her she just started there. sniffing Alma's head. Don't, sorry, Jake. Just just as Stephen Reed did it, in his early days. If, if Abby was the serial killer on, on Coronation Street, Alma would have been her first victim. <laughs> um, anyway, Jake says he was going to watch. And uh, it's, he's one, he was said, one thing I'm pretty convinced about is that at some point this week, Stephen will break into the Rovers to use that as a hiding place. Nice but You are one. absolutely right. Would be very clever if anyone assumed he disappeared, only for his body to be found in the Rovers. Anyway, I hope the events of the week gives me an incentive to start watching regularly again. And who knows? Maybe they'll do something even better that I haven't thought of. There you go, Jake. What well, did you reckon? Well, we need an update now, Jake. What did you I actually think of it? Yeah. Yeah, um, thank you. I really like that email. Now, this next um, email comes from Tom, who has joined our Patreon in this past week. So thank you very much, Tom, for signing up uh, and, and getting to hear all our lovely bonus episodes. I hope you enjoy them. And it, it has also inspired him to write in. So, Gemma, I'll pass over to you to uh, read out what Tom has to say. He says, I just wanted to let you know I enjoyed the top five people Stephen should have killed so much. I signed up for the Bistro tier on Patreon by the end of the episode. Anyway, I know the episode was only really about current characters, but I've been thinking for ages about what a missed opportunity it was not to have Stephen 
bump off Faye. She's clearly not coming back. So what with her family ties to Tim and Elaine, I can't understand why they didn't involve Faye as part of her exit storyline. How great would it have been if she had got a little too close to the truth and possibly could have told PC Tinker, spelling the end for her. She even used to work at the factory. See, I wonder if they could have done a bit of a, an Anna Windass with Faye because Anna just came out of nowhere, didn't she, at the end of Phelan's storyline and said, hello, I'm here, I'm going to stab Phelan and then disappear off into the night. Maybe they could have mirrored that by having Faye say, hello, I'm just coming down to say how you're doing and then have Stephen kill her as his final victim. Like, I don't know whether Tim would have been able to take it, but it would have made good drama. <laughs> exactly. Um, he, um, <clears throat> Tom says, I haven't quite fleshed out the details of my Faye murder plot, but as I say, what a missed opportunity. It certainly would have been a more fitting departure than slinking off to slough, or slough, as Jason Grimshaw called it in last week's classic Corrie, with a man she barely knew and their mildly, mildly annoying child <laughs> apart from that i agreed with almost every other murder suggestion stephen killing craig would have been brilliant sparking ds swain to lead a crusade against him for offing one of our own also loved the idea of kirk absent-mindedly foiling stephen's plans yeah, I, I, I enjoyed writing that one i really enjoyed last week's cry and felt it was the best run of episodes in a long time the first two was fantastic but i agree that it could have done with more time perhaps even an episode every night to really create suspense I love the levity of the plats, but I do feel the last episode was missing genuine and raw emotion from the supporting cast during some of the more dramatic yeah, that's scenes. What I, just what I thought. That being said, Todd Boyce and Sally Ann Matthews were brilliant. We also needed more heavy lifting from the flash forward scenes. Mm. I do like the device, but it didn't really move the plot on from the viewer's perspective. Overall, though, a great week and so nice to genuinely be excited for Corey each evening again. However, I was disappointed to hear feedback from the evening with Top Boy screening that the storyline was apparently meant to run six months longer but was cut short due to negative audience responses. Okay, well done to those people. I hope they really enjoy the Stu Eliza custody battle coming to its oh-so-dramatic conclusion <laughs> Christmas Day then. So Todd, when Todd emailed, not emailed, sorry, when he replied to our tweet earlier, he said something about that, didn't he? Let me he just did, see if I he can did find indicate that that, that that was not perhaps the case, but I don't know where I wasn't we weren't at the screening we don't know how it came up that this was I can't find due it to negative reactions I, I mean no he, he he talked about um I, I I haven't got the tweet here but you find, you... he, he said that um that the, the idea was mooted that maybe he would have some time to he settle said... in with Gemma and not Gemma well there's another story Jenny and show a little bit of normality he just said on his tweet that there was a, oh, a possibility that it would continue, but it a a banging soap super soap week exit went out in the end, and that is a very diplomatic way of saying I'm not going to tell you <laughs> what maybe maybe that was something that came out that shouldn't have come out officially. I don't know. I don't think they'd let. I don't think that. I don't. Like. Well, they can say what they like. You know, <laughs> he's not. He's not on the show anymore there's a bit more freedom but equally you don't necessarily want to say too much <laughs> anyway the email continues but it does explain why some of the plot threads in the storyline such as michael being at rufus's house on the night of his murder were never afforded the time to be properly explored it, it may, yeah maybe i mean it, with, yeah. with what todd has said to us on twitter today maybe they still wouldn't have gone there but you're right michael being there and even like paul with Rufus's car, it felt like there could have oh, been yeah. more there, couldn't there? That, 
got away with that, didn't he? Mm. Anyway, uh, thanks well, again. No, what? But, oh. No, oh, I can't. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Thanks it's again for your ex- excellent coverage throughout this delightfully camp but brilliant story. I miss Michael Stephen impressions, but at least we'll still have Gemma's Sarah impersonation to keep us entertained. I was going to say that Gemma was the master of the Stephen Reed impersonation, actually, but thank you anyway. R.I.P. Uncle Stephen. Good night, sweet prince. <laughs> Um, let's move on to Rebecca then thank you very much for that email I enjoyed that first of all as much as I thought some of the Stephen story was fantastic I was disappointed and then there wasn't a final victim Um, and also I was hoping for Stephen to be caught by the police and arrested Rebecca are we not all the final victim (laughs) having Peter kill him which he did as Stephen didn't have the bottle in his hands when Peter drove at him although I did need a second to watch to confirm that is a smart move as it pits the streets against one another and could cause the Platt versus Barlow fight that has been stemming since Daniel pushed Max down the stairs. Audrey makes total sense saying Stephen was innocent as he was her golden child after all and can't wait to see Audrey process the death of Stephen. DS Swain was asking Carla about why she told Jenny about Stephen. I was concerned about Tim, especially with the nowhere to run at the scaffolding reminded me of Luke's death. And Ken having a birthday party reminded me of Doreen having her birthday party when Maxine was killed. There's All so good many point. parallels. Gail recognising the roof box made me laugh. She was like, oh, that's my mum's roof box. I thought it was, it made me laugh because it was more like Gail's just don't knows nothing about cars. And she's like... Roof box, roof box. And it's just a coincidence they happen to be the same one. Yeah. Uh, Michael's an idiot, but he's too trusting and really hope that this experience doesn't take away his niceness and trustingness, as that's just one trait of Michael's that I love. The Roy and Jenny scene was lovely too, and the I wish you were here, Johnny, in the Rovers was mm. cute as well. Overall, I really like the week, but it could have been a lot better. Character of the week is Jenny. Sorry, Stephen, but Stell played a blinder. Uh, Honourable mentions, though, go to Stephen, Roy, Sarah, David and Audrey. And I'll score this week four times. Gail was up and down like a jack-in-the-box out of five. (laughs) Thank you, Rebecca. We've got George now. He says, I'm absolutely over the moon that George has finally seen sense and got back at top got Todd back at Shuttlesworth's even though it took a bit of an arm tugging but I wasn't expecting him to make Todd junior partner although if I was honest I would have loved to have seen more grovelling and begging from George as it was his fault that Todd had to defect in the first place if he treated Todd a lot better and not taken him for granted none of the aggro of the last few weeks would have happened I look forward to seeing how Todd gets on in his new role I'm sure he'll be brilliant but then again my Todd can do no wrong in my eyes and I pray George does not treat him badly ever again <laughs> like I said I just it doesn't feel like it's going to make any difference really especially when they're not even having scenes inside the Undertakers or maybe this will be the catalyst that makes them open that setup again I don't know it really feels like the status quo has been returned to without any major changes but Prove me wrong, Coronation Street. Prove me wrong. Um, Nancy is our final email of the night before we get on to our cabin extra, who says, um, I do feel they missed a trick by killing off Stephen the way they did. This is now all about Peter and will he get into trouble? I expected another victim before Stephen's exit and I got excited because we were expecting something big on the podcast. Even though I still, even so, I still love the week. Yeah, that kind of seems to be I a fairly feel... common reaction yeah. that I've read online. I feel a bit like it's our it's our fault that we hyped. I don't think it is. I don't think it's unusual. And it was so long since Rufus's death. It didn't have to happen in the no, final I know, week. I, and the final yeah. week did spring up on us quite quickly. I, I don't know. I don't know why they killed off Rufus relatively early. If 
if they, I'm not even gonna say, because again, there are other considerations. If you were to, this is the, right, I just want everyone to understand this, and also the people that work in Corrie. I understand that if you were to write a plot on a piece of paper with no other considerations, it would come out differently to how it comes out on the screen. Because there are so many things from piece of paper to on the screen that mean it can't, you can't transcribe it perfectly. There are there are real human beings that make the show. There are different things. There are contracts. There are there are episode allowances. There are illnesses. There are I'm going. I'm not hanging around for this. There are I'm you know this character can't do th- whatever. It was in the news the other week that Lisa George says that she was cut out of the week's episodes because she had COVID. Well, there you go. Yeah. There you go. I mean, obviously, if she listened to our bonus episode where I had her be killed off and she was like, that's why my character wasn't killed because I had COVID. So ironically, it saved me. <laughs> um, but you know what I mean? I understand that that there are many considerations and who knows on that bit of paper what it would have said if you'd read it six months ago. Yeah. But it's just kind of frustrating because I do genuinely think that that's the biggest misstep. Mm. Um, Nancy continues I love the two-hander between Jenny and Stephen when he spoke about why he did the murders I can only imagine what Jenny was thinking <laughs> and I wonder did you think about her father while he was speaking too mm. um, I was surprised when he almost killed Sarah but she got up the scenes with Audrey <laughs> and Stephen were great as well um, I feel that in the aftermath there is definitely a bigger story that's going to happen now affecting the plats in a big way we've already seen how Audrey is in denial about Stephen Will this affect her mental health? Peter killed Stephen after he dropped the bottle. And I wonder if he's going to go to prison for it. Um, yeah. Nancy's saying that Audrey's in denial. And it does feel like the overall view online, or the, the main view, is that she is utterly in denial about how wrong I'm he sorry. was. I'm sorry. Think, I think she's talked... the only one that's talking sense. Go, go on. Why is this? What are you going to no, say? No, no, why do you say? I wasn't going to say anything. She's the only one that's saying what actually happened. Mm. He dropped the bottle and he wasn't going to kill Jenny. And Peter ran him over because he wanted him to die. It feels like the other characters are saying the same as the Audrey haters online. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, he did drop the bottle and it was kind of murder. But oh, well, let's get him away with it. Let's let him get away with it because he Stephen was a zero killer. Yeah. I don't know. Um, and then Nancy goes on to talk about an Emmerdale storyline where somebody got killed... Um, because why, why one punch? Because they were doing something to, to a daughter, somebody's daughter, and then they end up going to prison. Mm. And this is really interesting that often we hear stories about how it relates to another soap, don't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Nancy gave the episodes four and a half quiches made with broccoli and Stilton, and Roy gave that, and, Roy, and that Roy. Roy gave Jenny out of five. Uh, character of the week was Stephen. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you, thank Nancy. you to thank all you of everybody. our feedbackers this yes. week. And also thank you to Tom, who's our Patreon this week. Uh, please do join if you'd like to hear more from our top fives every month. We're going to do a very special Halloween one, which is, is going to come special? out soon. I, oh, yeah, it's always special. Every, um, every month like is special. To, to Can I say us... thank you to Sophie as well for coming onto the podcast? Thank you very much. I don't want to forget. No, thank you. And thank Sharing you, your story. Thank you to Todd Boyce for... for tweeting us and thanks to everybody who's made Coronation Street this week you guys we love you email us at conversationstreet at gmail.com we're going to come back with a cabin extra after I've finished just a little one doing uh, all of this gump so if you don't want to hear a spoiler please go away (laughs) 
no offence. Um, you probably you can know find what it us is. conversationstreet.podbean.com. You can leave us a review on iTunes. Um, you can find us on Instagram. We're on Twitter, Spotify, Facebook, YouTube, and you can join us on Patreon. Please, won't you? It's really nice and it helps us out quite a lot because we can go to more events like Todd Boyce, for example. And uh, <laughs> we could. There's that, no way we could have gone to the Todd Boyce event, however much money we'd had, unless we were like hiring a jet plane to take us up to Manchester. One in day, super great time. if if we. Listen, if you guys support us enough on Patreon, one day we will be able to get a flight to Manchester. But at the moment, they go through Ireland or Northern Ireland, which is... Yeah, the somewhat on the pricey side, aren't it, they? Yeah, it's a bit too expensive. Um, we don't but, just fly willy-nilly in this country like you might use you guys do in I America. Know. Right, so that's it. Um, if you want to hear the coming extra, please stick around. And if you don't, go away in five, four, three, two... One coming, actually, Lucy Fallon's coming back. Ooh, Bethany is back on the Bethany, cobbles. Bethany is so returned. Th- this has been rumoured for a long time, and it was as as good as confirmed for months. I've got a feel. I think that Tina O'Brien accidentally dropped it um, a few months ago that Bethany was coming back, but we didn't want to mention it on the podcast back then because we're trying to take the the stance that if it hasn't been confirmed officially, we won't mention it. But it's definitely out there now because Lucy has filmed her first well, she, episode well, just they, yesterday. They put it on the official Coronation Street social media. Yeah, so it has it's her appearing and saying, oh, it's my first day back filming today. So Very Bethany's excited. A little back. bit nervous. Can't wait to see what Bethany's up to. Coronation Street at this stage has not given any clues about what is going to happen with Bethany, just that she's back. And, and I was wondering, going into the Super Soap Week last week, whether it would tie into our theory that maybe Sarah would either kill Stephen or be oh, killed yeah. by Stephen, and is that what would um, precipitate Sarah uh, Bethany's return from wherever it is she's supposed to be at the moment? I'm sure they're not going to do this, but if you think about it, Stephen would have been a father figure for Bethany as she went to Milan yeah, that's true. with Sarah at a very young and impressionable age. She didn't learn Italian. But she could have learned to love her Uncle Stephen as a father. I'm sure she hasn't. Yeah, like a, a young teenage years, Bethany... Yeah, well, Stephen no, she was, was probably like, one of the from only... From what age was she? I can't remember how old Bethany was. She was she still that little... Seven, she eight? Was that little, yeah, exactly. This is the... Pri- like, from, from eight to about, what, 15? 14, yeah. 15? She was in Milan and Uncle Stephen was the only male family member that she was in regular contact with. If she has got nothing to say about him dying, number one, I wouldn't be surprised. Number two, I will be disappointed. <laughs> I imagine she's going to come round about about Christmas time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, what the, is she going to be, be involved in? Because we've it, got... We, I'm guessing it's going to be the Daniel, Ryan, um, Daisy well, storyline, yeah, isn't that's it? that's the most... Well, I'm most not going to say anything rude. I was going to say that's the most boring possibility but yeah that's probably the most logical one her mum's still embroiled in this divorce with uh, adam yeah it, i don't think I she's think. gonna no. be involved in that but yeah so so remind me about her involvement in well she daniel so daniel daniel was ha- was had a bit of a candle for bethany didn't he even when tenade was on her deathbed so tenade was dying of cancer he he gives um Bethany a bit of a snog in the ginnel because she'd been fancying him for a while and eventually he decided that the week of his wife's death was the perfect time to stick his tongue down her throat. I yep. think Ken was the 
one that caught them. Um, and then they kind of stuck around each other for a bit after Sinead died. Didn't he then propose to her but call her Sinead? I've got vague memories of that. So it was really unhealthy relationship. He wanted her to be Sinead. Um, well, they had he ended a... up convincing Nikki to be Sinead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he had a thing for blondes. Yeah, for sure. Um, so there was definitely a spark of something there, and it makes perfect storyline sense for around Christmas time, maybe before, I don't know, for Daniel to discover that Ryan and Daisy slept together. Do you think that the Ryan and Daisy, is it going to develop into a relationship? Because at the moment, Daisy's full of regret. Yeah. But that doesn't really mean anything. But I mean... Does is Bethany gonna be rebound girl times two for Daniel? Well, quite possibly. That's such a what? What a I sad d- and tragic fate for anybody. I didn't Daniel's really find rebound chick twice. I didn't really find their uh, relationship that engaging. It didn't make sense to me. He's far. She's far too young for him. I can't see. I mean, if you're gonna say that Daisy's got nothing in common with with Daniel, I can't see how you can imagine that. Bethany well, does. I, I mean, there's I'm not about being six, rude. seven, eight year gap, and now they're older. Maybe it's not so unusual. Right. Bethany's storyline was about her being groomed and taken advantage of. Yeah. That doesn't reflect upon her character, but Daisy is definitely somebody who can butt heads with Daniel and not feel like she's being patronised. Whereas I don't think that, that Bethany would. I think Bethany would be under Daniel's thumb. Yeah, I would say so. I think that you, she, mean, she would defer to him too much. She would she would act like the sunshine out of his bum and he's the most intelligent man that ever existed. Whereas Daisy's like, I don't care about Shakespeare. Look at this lipstick. She did hear her worship him a bit, but I yeah. would say that it's been... How long has it been since she's been away? It's not too long, is it? Three, four years? How maybe, old is she going to be? Um, was, uh, Bethany is going to be 23, 24, maybe, when she comes back. Um so she's she, she, she'll have had a lot of growing up time. We, I think she's been in London, hasn't she? She's been doing journalism. So she's been she's oh. been independently living in the big city. So I think Why that she you... might come back a bit of a changed character. I would like that. But, but I want her are... to have a bit of oomph. Which I don't, men- I don't think she had that. And it's not her fault. It's that it was the storyline that she was in. She sometimes did. There were many sides to Bethany. There yeah. was the tragic issues-based story, oh, no, I'm being groomed, which was excellent. But she was a bit of a tragic figure there. Yeah. She was the love interest that wasn't as good as Sinead. But think- she did have a fun side. And watching this video of Lucy Fallon yeah. reminded me that Lucy is... Seems, I was going to say... I, we've never met her. No, but whenever we've seen Lucy. her being her, she's a great love. I'm going to say, Lucy Fallon seems like she's got bite. Yeah, absolutely. And Bethany never had that. And so if they harness that power, the power of Lucy Fallon... It's like what you hear about Harriet Bibby being very different off screen than I know than it makes me summer. it really makes me sad because I I I really want these characters to but you know not everyone can be the thing is if everyone was like a spunky cool like feisty lady girl and beautiful and and talented and wonderful it, the story would it'd be like Gossip Girl or something we're not watching that we're watching Coronation Street when when the rumours that were pretty much confirmed that Bethany was coming back with floating around. I, I will readily admit that I wasn't thrilled about the idea. I was like, okay, Bethany, don't really need her back. But Bethany just what, was never a character I particularly just, just had an opinion about. 
I, I wasn't so fussed. I wasn't particularly... Yeah. I don't think I was that disappointed when she when she left, but I really, really did enjoy the grooming story. I mean, everybody <laughs> did. It was brilliant. Oh, yeah. she was fantastic. Lucy Fallon was so, so good in that. Yeah. But, yes, but I still wasn't that excited about her coming back, but just seeing that video of her being so excited about returning animated, to the cobbles yeah. and animated, and, and, and if the new Bethany can capture a little bit of that. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm particularly looking forward to seeing how Daisy reacts to her because even, was it earlier this year or last year? I can't remember. Daisy clearly feels like she's number two but to, to Bethany so there was she saw that um, article that Bethany had oh, written online true. or on a paper or something that was obviously she? a breadcrumb yeah. that they so, put in knowing that they were going to bring Lucy Fallon back yeah da- Daisy felt for a while that she was second best and the only reason that Daniel was going out with her was because Bethany still wasn't around. No, the only so reason that, he's going out with gonna... you is because Sinead died. <laughs> that's all going to come bubbling to the surface again. Maybe they'll do the thing where um, Daniel doesn't find out about Ryan and Daisy together. Bethany's going to come back. Daniel's head will be turned. He'll sleep with Bethany. Oh. And then after that... <laughs> Daisy's going to be like, I can't believe it. I, you, you, you've, you've bonked Bethany, and and then it's going to turn out that she went out with Ryan, and she, oh, she, she bedded Ryan, and she'll say, oh yeah, but I resisted him after that, and and Bethany's not been here five minutes, and you've already dropped your jaws for her. Maybe it's going to come out like that, but it feels like when the dust settles, I wouldn't be surprised if the couples are Daisy and Ryan here, me, Daniel and Bethany me too. there. There's a bit of an age gap. There's too much of. A- I don't. I don't think there is. I. I, I think. I think Rob Mallard is just particularly how old tall. Is Daniel. Daniel. Um. He was born in. I'm gonna say 1994. So I think there's only six years oh, between okay. him and Bethany. I think it's because Daniel's such a boring old fart. <laughs> right. I'm just he, gonna say he's wise beyond his years. I think uh, what you mean to say. That's sorry. Yeah. Um. I don't know what they're. They obviously already have their storyline all planned out and plotted. But um. I kind of my imagination is taking me to. Um, that Bethany being in London and being a journalist and knowing what it takes to promote yourself and um, to to sort of get ahead of the pack there, I'm thinking that maybe she's going to be a really successful influencer as well as being a journalist. You've got to promote yourself and your work. Mm. Imagine if she's like, um, I can't think of the girl's name, but I think if you're into into like a documentary you'll know who I mean there's a young girl who Stacey Dooley who does like um like here I am I'm investigating something and then she goes and talks to people what if what if Bethany's like that kind of person where she's really made a name for herself and she promotes herself and she's a personality in inverted commas and then she turns up like here I am look at me and and Daisy's just completely jealous because she was on those on the track Mm. to do the same thing and everything went wrong for her and now it seems like she completely has has given up on that idea and Bethany has become everything that she wanted to be she ever wanted and then she could end up bagging her man too mm. if if Daisy, if Bethany does come back as this mega successful writer which it wouldn't surprise me I hope that they do something to make me believe it mm. because Bethany becoming a journalist didn't fit, sit right with me it's I'm like sorry. she had something horrific happen to her wrote a heartfelt blog yeah. about it and then all of a sudden she's an, she's good enough to be a journalist but I don't she's not be... really shown any literary talent before then I don't want to be mean but Bethany strikes me as the sort of person who doesn't know how to use an apostrophe in the word it's yeah and you know 
it'll start. And I'm going to say, some of my writers don't like that. <laughs> but whatever, I am looking forward to it. I'm slightly trepidatious about the whole dull, potentially boring Differ, fallout affair, 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 Ryan Daisy. But once once it's all settled and maybe she has stories away from that, um, hopefully it's good. I don't think that they need to try and ape the um, grooming storyline again and give her make her the face of the next tragic um, young young woman story. Give her something fun to do. Imagine if she was a rival with um, that one-off Weatherfield was it reporter. Oh yeah, Suki. Yeah, Doctor yeah. Gaddis's real life daughter. Yeah, maybe. I I I am. She can be like the journalistic equivalent of of Craig. So why are you investigating this? <laughs> I, so, so I am more excited about it now than I was. Um, I'd really like to have Lucy Fallon on the on the podcast for an interview, actually. She she eluded us before, didn't she? But um, <laughs> maybe I'll try and see if she Who wants knows? to say hello. Maybe we'll bump into her in the Soap Awards next year. You never know. Anyway, well, um, that's what we think. Do write in and let us know what you, you think about... You told me I'm going to take that for that. L- what? You said I'm going to be going oh, yeah. to take that. I think, yeah, Gemma's got take that tickets on the weekend that very well may clash with next year's British Soap And the Soap irony Awards. is that I don't even like take that that much. I just get fed up with my friends going without me. Yeah. So it might just be me going solo to the British Maybe I'll end up, you know, going as a plus shacking one. Shacking up? What? Yeah, maybe I'll go end up shacking up with Lucy Fan. <laughs> I'm going to say that whenever you go without me, you always have more fun and you get much more exciting gossip than you do when I'm there because I just... No, I just, you always I just, get... I just shack up at, what is it, Café Rouge and eat my sea bath You get myself. nervous about it, but then you get into it. But I do really appreciate your videography old, old skills. Blah, blah. Anyway, um, that's anyway, the end of the podcast. Thanks everybody for listening Thank to you. the bitter end. We hope that I'm you enjoyed it. I'm sorry the street talk was a bit dull this week. It's fine. It just Thanks, wasn't everyone. that inspiring an F week of episodes. Sorry, we're talking over each other. Gemma needs to watch a film. I need to go to bed. Have a good weekend, everybody. And we will see you next week with a lot more Conversation Street. Ta-ra for now. Bye-bye. The music for this episode came from podcastthemes.com. Bye-bye.